JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, oh, the chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. It's really weird, honestly. It is really weird. J-Law, who's a friend of the show, both this show and... uh the one down the hall every Saturday night, right? Uh, he is the guy that presides over the Fubar Lounge every Saturday night. For example, had hit me up on Twitter a little bit earlier this afternoon and said, hey, are you anywhere today? Where are you today? I guess was uh, better stated. Where are you today? And it is weird because I'm in studio. I think I've been in studio one Friday since July. One Friday since July. And this is coming from somebody that I like being in studio, but I love being out there with you guys. So this is really weird, to be honest with you. In studio for the second time since July is where we are today. And I think next week would kind of be the same deal. However, if you listened yesterday, and hopefully you did, our first tavern tour stop of the year 2023, and this is beyond legit. It's a first-timer for me. Obviously, not a first time I've ever been in there, but a first-timer for me. It is a place that most of you have been in in the past. It is the Alley Cat in Broad Ripple, and that is coming up two weeks from today. Two weeks from today, that is combining our, our Larceny Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots, combining that with a tavern tour stop at the Alley Cat in Broad Ripple. All right, Eric Bienemy in town. It's kind of funny. I got a dude out there. I'm not going to say who he is, uh, but he's really good. I, I guess you can do that. I've never tried to that has, <laughs> has tracks where these uh, planes are going, right? I think we did that years ago, but tracking where these planes are going and he kind of texted me last night and said, hey, you know what? It's kind of weird where it's going here. 
And lo and behold, it was Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, which, again, makes perfectly good sense. Perfectly good sense. You kind of wonder why he has been so directly involved in an offense that has been so prolific for so many years and winning at such a high level. And embracing what we all embrace, I think about an offense across the board in the NFL right now, right? Stud quarterback, former stud wide receiver, but still good enough wide receivers, a stud tight end, and then you go at it offensively. Now, again, what kind of works against you, and it probably does a lot of folks within that organization or on the coaching staff, his Andy Reid has full and total control over things. But, yeah, you would think, you wonder why he hasn't had a job already. Given the success of that offense and that franchise, and you you wonder where he might be as far as the hierarchy of this group. And the Colts just tweeted out they have completed their interview with Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator of the L.A. Rams. So that is complete as well. And he has a long history. He was a head coach in Tampa at the age of 32, which is ridiculous. But he was in, and that interview is complete. We'll go over those that they still plan on interviewing, and if anything else drops, we'll do that as well. I did want to hit this within the last, when was this today? One o'clock, I believe. One o'clock, the Colts Twitter account sent this out. I'm assuming all their socials fired this away. But it was a letter from Colts owner Jim Ursay. And there's a lot of words, 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 words. I'm going to try to get to the nuts and bolts of these words. A multi-paragraph letter penned to you fans about this past season. But please know, no one is more unsatisfied than I am. No one has higher expectations than I do. And no one wants to win for our fans and our community more than the people in our organization wearing the horseshoe every day. So as I've always said, the responsibility for making us better ultimately falls on me, and our off-season work has already begun. That includes our search for the next head coach, preparing for an important draft in April, and continuing to bolster the talented core of players already on our roster. Final paragraph. And again, I edited this a little bit because it was lengthy. It'd take me pretty much the first segment to read it. Final paragraph. No one can ever guarantee wins or losses, but as long as I'm owner, I can guarantee that winning championships will always be my goal. And I'll be doing everything I can to help us get there. That's what you deserve. And that's what we'll be working hard to deliver. That is the nuts and the bolts of a letter again penned to you fans from Colts owner Jim Ursay that came across via all their socials around 1 o'clock. So there you go. Yeah, not as chalk full of bravado as it has been in the past, is it? And again... Just like Chris Ballard on Tuesday, what else are you going to say? 
the actions and the results are the only thing that's really going to change anybody's mind. I think everybody out there is probably, and this is something you have to do, but I think everybody's thoughts on this right now, it's, it's probably you don't even care what really is said. You probably just shake your head and go, yeah, okay. When are they going to start winning consistently? When are we going to see these results? Why is it that you move forward to the general manager position with a lack of results for six years? Why do you feel that it's the savvy, the smart move to go into year number seven? A lot of whys up here, right? It's kind of interesting. You go back to last year, and that just complete and utter debacle. Remember how we felt this time last year? After that Jacksonville debacle? I mean, so embarrassing across the board. You had basically week after week of that toward the tail end of the regular season this year. But we were just kind of dipping our toes into the water of embarrassment at the end of last year in that Jacksonville game. And how you felt and how we talked about this, that until this is proven otherwise, this is what you're going to expect. And I mean consistently proven otherwise. Not like a a nice weekend where you hang in there and you get the benefit of somebody making a mistake and you beat one of the better teams of the NFL in Kansas City. And certainly not winning one division game within the AFC South. Starting that division with Houston with a tie and finishing that up with a loss to a team this past Sunday that Cal McNair, their owner, sure as hell didn't want to win. He didn't want to win. We clearly Lovey Smith did and probably think it's pretty funny right now, the spot that the Texans are in, considering the spot they would have been in had they lost. That said, you just kind of sit back and you wait, and I don't blame you one bit. I said this last year, you wait on the delivery of results. We're all allowed to get excited along the way. We're all allowed to go, well, you know what? I like that move. Hey, you know what? That's pretty good. And we'll have plenty of opportunity to do that because you'll get to feel out. You get to sort out why the Colts hired whomever they end up hiring as their next head coach. And you'll do the same as far as what they do with this fourth overall selection. Move up, stay there, draft a quarterback, hard target somebody. Who do you like? Who do you not like? But you won't really get a sense of where this team is for the good, for the positive, and what you expect until you see them put it together. This past year just kind of felt like a culmination of a lot of crap that was going on and a lot of bad decisions, certainly bad play, bad coaching. This season kind of felt like a culmination of a bad organization bottoming out in the NFL, did it not? That's what it felt like. And until you see otherwise, that's the way that it's going to be. And I don't blame you one bit. That's how everybody, you look at this skeptically until they prove otherwise. Again, we'll go across this offseason and we'll either like or not like what they end up doing. But as I mentioned at the outset, this letter has a lot of words. That's what it is. It's words. And that's basically what this organization has been about. 
Uh, a lot of which, when they tell you what they feel not only should but is going to happen, have not turned out whatsoever to be true. So a lot of words until this organization proves they are not what we saw at the end of last year, and they are certainly not the worst of the NFL that we know them to be right now. It must be better off just to say, hey, I'm on it. <laughs> Leave it short and sweet. People would probably take that the wrong way. Hopefully you're on it. Because I don't know how much more this has the feeling of the not at all so good years, the bad years that many of us of the older generation lived through that none of you of the younger generation have any recollection whatsoever how bad that it was. This year felt a hell of a lot like that. Bad play, bad execution, bad coaching, bad decision-making, all the above. But you can check it out again throughout the Colts socials and certainly on Twitter from the Colts Twitter account. That is a letter to you fans from the owner, Jim Irsay, that will certainly ring hollow until you finally see some consistent results. Pacers back in action later on tonight. Pacers and the Hawks from Cambridge Fieldhouse, the first of two, which should be an outstanding weekend. Now, there's no doubt you'd like to see them loaded up per usual with Tyrese Halliburton, as we learned yesterday from Adrian Orgenarowski. Two weeks is what he reported, and then a reevaluation on a sprained elbow and a bruised knee as they were supposed to be scouring the scans as well to make sure everything is good to go, and we'll see how they end up working it tonight. I was on Tony Katz this morning. He was asking me about that. I'm assuming that the role of Halliburton is probably going to be played by Andrew Nemhart. Maybe Matherin's vaulted, I would expect, into the starting lineup coming up later on this evening. That takes a lot away from the bench. But I was asked, wait, wait, wait a minute. What about T.J. McConnell here? T.J. McConnell is such a ball of fire, such a mass of energy when he gets in there. Why not him? Why not him in the starting lineup? Well, I think that we understand this. And I really like Matherin coming off the bench, too. So don't get me wrong. I love Matherin coming off the bench. Now, I know everybody screams, got to have more minutes. You want more minutes, and that's fine. Uh, he'll close the game if he's playing well, regardless of coming off the bench or, start, or bench or starting, and he's going to get his minutes. But I have loved watching him come off the bench. But T.J. McConnell is exactly what Rick Carlisle wants coming off that bench. He is a spark, and that's exactly what he brings. To me, that's not something that you would necessarily want to start with. And you got two big ones coming up later on tonight. Trey Young, I believe, is in action, right? With the Hawks. They have had a disappointing season. Don't get me wrong. It was a week ago when there was some conversation about their head coach, Nate McMillan, stepping away. And they consistently have guys on the trading block, one of those being John Collins. And that's a guy years ago that the Pacers drafted T.J. Leaf in front of that a lot of teams would suggest that John Collins would look good here. I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's going to happen. But that is a consistent conversation. I will say this. 
And we'll see if the length of time that Halliburton is missing will add a little bit of a ripple effect to this, but you're hearing a lot more, not necessarily anybody that's concretely in the know like Wojnarowski, but you will hear many rumors, or you certainly have in the past week, more so than you've heard in a long time outside of Miles Turner about the Pacers adding something, coming up with something else, doing something else. John Collins has been one of those names. You know, I mentioned last week somebody had brought up Kyle Kuzma of the Wizards consistently around here because he's a former Hoosier. Everybody wants to bring up OG Ananobi. I That's a pipe dream, it would seem. I'm not suggesting it would be a bad thing, but it seems like a pipe dream. But what I'm saying is there are a lot more rumors that are floating around out there that are with regard this team doing something about their squad before the trade deadline that they believe will help their play out. Not necessarily selling as many have hoped that they would do. But actually being in the market in trying to really get better and do something about this year. And we'll see. Next two weeks or not, Longer, shorter, I mentioned this yesterday. If you're a Pacer fan, you just always feel the negative out of injuries. You fear that whatever they say right now is not at all going to be the case, and I don't blame you because you've been down that path way too many times not to be a little bit burnt by it. It goes back to Granger, you have Paul George, you have Victor Oladipo, you are conditioned as a Pacers fan until you're taught otherwise to fear the worst every time that there's an injury. Felt that way the other night. You probably still to a degree feel that way, even though that report yesterday seemed to be compared to serious injuries of the past, not so much. But that does not stop you for feeling that way. And I don't blame you. Pacers Hawks later on tonight, a myriad of Hoosier connections. I guess I should say Hoosier State connections coming up on Saturday. Yeah, obviously, starting with Jake LaRavia, Indiana State, Wake Forest, former LC standout. Desmond Bain has made himself, he was on with me this summer, a fantastic basketball player. Seton Catholic over in Wayne County for Desmond Bain. Uh, John Conchar, Purdue Fort Wayne, has made himself into an excellent piece, both starting and then sometimes off the bench as well for that Memphis team. Jaron Jackson Jr. spent some time around here at Park Tudor. We know that. Got a lot of dudes. A lot of dudes with local interest and local flavor, and I believe Memphis is off tonight. So... I would suggest you're going to end up seeing John Morant. Probably going to see them as close to as full strength as they can be. But you got back-to-back coming up tonight, tomorrow night again. Atlanta and Memphis versus the Pacers tonight, tomorrow night. We got you covered beginning at 6.30 later on tonight for the pregame show. 7P is that tip time. Prior to that, you got the last word. We got the last word at 6 o'clock tonight, right? Does that go 30 minutes? It's going to be weird not doing the Friday Night Colts thing from 6 until 7 as well.
Uh, anyway, last word tonight at 6, 6.30, Pacers, Hawks, pregame coverage. And you got Bob Lovell and Indiana Sports Talk coming up later on tonight right here as well. Bob Lovell's going to join us coming up here a little bit closer to the bottom of the hour. There's a lot of great high school action going on, not just tonight, but this weekend as well. Marion County semifinals. A lot of great matchups around the state. I did see this. In terms of football, you guys see that Taven Jackson is now on the transfer portal. Uh, the former Center Grove quarterback who spent his freshman season down at Tennessee has entered the transfer portal. And I saw this. I'm assuming, is this accurate that he's going to be at the IU-Wisconsin game coming up tomorrow? Did I see that accurately? But saw that a little bit earlier today that he's in the transfer portal. Now, of course, a former teammate of his, Carson Steele. Carson Steele was in the transfer portal, not so much at this time a week ago, but close to it. By this time last week, he had made that decision to bolt from Muncie and playing for Ball State after two seasons to play in the rest of his collegiate eligibility for Chip Kelly out at UCLA. Interesting story with Taven Jackson right there as well. So we can hit all that if you like at 239-1070. Email the address, jmv1075thefan.com. Show's inside the lounge via YouTube Live as well. I'll get hooked up with you guys coming up in just a second too. And more on the Colts head coaching search, more on your thoughts on what they're going to look like, what they should look like, how they should prepare for the draft, what they should do. Trade up, stay where they are. And uh, still, as I mentioned, no conversation whatsoever other than Jeremy Fowler a couple of days ago regarding any Harbaugh interest. Does it kind of feel like those of us that really want to see this are more or less kind of hanging on right now, hanging on to nothing? You guys feel like that too? It does a little bit feel like we're hanging on to nothing. Unless, and you just don't get this anymore, do you? You don't get these incredibly great kept secrets. And if you do, they're few and far between. But this would have to be one of those. <laughs> you can't, you get back and forth letters from the, what, the administration of Michigan. Uh, regarding Jim Harbaugh and Jim Jim Harbaugh's response, all that is pretty funny because it is just so general. It's almost like if you wanted to, you could separate the paragraph and put in the middle of the paragraph in parentheses, we, the coach may go ahead and bolt anyway, but in a very general terms you have there. Hey, listen, I feel you all at this point. Kirk says, yeah, going back to that letter from Jim Ursay to the fans, I'm tired of letters of apology. Yeah, make no mistake about it. So is everybody else. This one hits differently, Kirk. It does. This one hits differently because it wasn't just a near miss. It's not something where you can go ahead and try to place all the blame on the lack of the leadership of Carson Wentz. This was just overall collective team and organizational foobar. This one hits different. This is one where you kind of sit back in your chair and you go, yeah, whatever. 
it, wake me up when you guys get consistent and start making those sound decisions, start playing effectively. Yeah, until then, I'm going to pay attention to something else. That is incredibly different to me than last year. Last year, the whole Wentz target was convenient. And don't get me wrong, the guy wasn't Joe Montana, but at the end of the year and how that they wanted him out and that mandate came down of this is what you're going to have to do, this season hits a lot differently because you were right there a year ago. And two weeks prior to circling the drain, everybody thought that you were going to be a team to beat or at the very least after that game in Arizona on Christmas night, a team that nobody in the AFC postseason wanted to play. You go from that to being the laughing stock, and then to having the worst season in history. And I know that they had one loss, check that, one win seasons in the past, but yeah, given what you're told, given the expectations, given how they looked, this is at least, and I've been around here the entire time, and maybe it's because you look back on those bad years with a lack of expectation whatsoever. Again, this one just was different. Discombobulation, embarrassment, all of the above. This one did hit different. All right. 239-1070 is the number. Let me take a break. Bob Lovell is going to join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. Our friend from ESPN Radio, Mike Wells, to go over a lot of what has transpired. Not only with the Colts, but with the Pacers as well. Top of the hour. And Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers. IU. We got to get to that too. Brian Evans, if you missed Brian Evans yesterday, podcast 107.5thefan.com, the former Big Ten Player of the Year. They used to have a section. I'm not sure if they still do. Does anybody know? In the start, do they still have that thing called Let It Out? Is it still there? Let It Out used to be a go-to. If you remember back in the day with the late, great Robin Miller, the old scout was a go-to on the weekends. The old scout was always a go-to. And if you're not privy to that story, it's one of the greatest stories of all time. But the old scout was always a go-to. Let It Out was always a go-to as well. I just haven't, I guess in so many terms, gone to it in forever. So I don't know if it still exists. But Brian Evans yesterday, uh, the former Hoosier, let it out regarding that team, the team that he's watching right now, the team that is playing, the team that is being coached up. And if you missed any of it, podcast 107.5thefan.com. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers in the 5 o'clock hour. Back-to-back tonight, Pacers-Hawks, Pacers-Grizzlies coming up tomorrow night. We'll dive into that and a lot of calls. If I owe you one from yesterday or the day before, 239-1070 will get you right on. Otherwise, we shall start where you line them up at that number. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, you got us on HD Radio, the stream, the app, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Can I buy you guys a drink? Guess not. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. The last word is at 6 o'clock tonight, followed by the Hawks and the Pacers. 
Uh, tomorrow night, you got the Grizzlies and the Pacers. A lot of Hoosier State flavor going on there. Skivvy's just sent me this. Hey, JMV, did you see this from the great Mel Brooks? Is Mel Brooks active on Twitter? He's got to be like 95 years old. Love Mel Brooks. The names you know, the history you don't. History of the World Part 2, a four-night event streaming March the 6th on Hulu. I think I'm going to be all about that. You guys remember History of the World Part 1? What was that, 1981, I believe? (laughs) Fantastic. So what is that, Hulu, March the 6th, streaming? Four-night event, History of the World Part 2. We've been waiting for so long. So thank you very much, Mel Brooks. Thank you very much, Hulu. That will be outstanding. If you're on hold, I'll get back to you in a second. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Pylon. He's got Indiana Sports Talk tonight, tomorrow night. Going to keep you up to date because there is more than an armload of high school basketball, both girls and boys, going on, especially in and around the area. Let Bob Lovell figure all that out for you coming up later on tonight and tomorrow night around this great state of Indiana. He joins us thanks to our 14 Central Indiana CarX locations. CarX.com to serve you today. Are you ready to go? Uh, yeah, I am. So, <laughs> this is a great time of year. How can you not be ready to go? Yeah. So, it's perfect. We've got a lot of games. we got pairing show Sunday. We have Marion County Tourney and other tourneys. So, uh, girls are ramping up the regular season. And, yeah, you, 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 need, you better be ready to go. Do you see where uh, Taven Jackson, by the way, before we start out on basketball, the former Center Grove quarterback, is in the transfer portal? A lot of uh, mention maybe getting back here and doing something with Tom Allen down in Bloomington. A little bit of that mention, at least rumor mention right now. Thoughts? Uh, I think that, number one, I'm, I'm not surprised when anyone goes in the uh, transfer portal. Yes. Secondly, if, uh, if in fact, um, you know, I think they, they recruited him hard uh, out of Center Grove, uh, I think it'd be fantastic. I think he, um, he's a tremendously talented athlete. Had great success, obviously, at Center Grove, and if they're fortunate if it's if in fact he is interested and they're able to get him, I think it'd be tremendous. Would you have gone into the transfer portal back when you were a player? Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure everybody. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's. Uh, I, I'm not exact. I don't think I would. Number one, I think uh, people have lost sight of the fact that I remember. And all my recruiting days as an assistant, as a head coach, uh, especially as a head coach, I would I would look at mom and dad and a kid and say, um, "Do not make this decision based only on basketball. To, to pick a school where you're gonna you know feel comfortable, they're gonna treat you well, you're gonna get a great education." Uh, I would try to explain to them that some of the major life. Uh, some of the biggest events in your life are going to happen to you when you're in college. And so you want to pick the right place. You, you, you're possibly going to find um, that spouse. You know, a lot of people go to college and meet their husbands or wives. You know, it's going to ultimately impact that first job and your career and what you're going to do. And so you can't be single-minded in terms of making that decision. Now, having said that, nobody listened. Uh, my own daughter didn't listen. She, ended up, she went to Indiana State to start out with. Because she made the cheerleader squad. I told her, I said, you know, I said, I sit every day and talk to moms and dads and you're doing exactly what I tell them not to do. And here's my own child going to head and do it. So, um, look, 
you're in the it's a different world, different day and age. I show my age in these kinds of discussions. Um, things aren't going well, but think about it, John. It's an AAU world. It's an AAU culture. You don't like uh, your AAU coach. You don't get enough touches. You don't. You're not the man. You find a different AAU team. Same thing in this. Same thing in high school. You don't like your high school coach. He's not giving you the, the ball enough. You're not you're not the man with 20 seconds on the clock. You got your feelings hurt. You're transferring. You're leaving a high school, going to another high school. So why would we think that it's going to be any different when you go to college and they created literally a free agency? Our whole world's about free agency. If you stop and think about it, if you think about you know when you're dating somebody and your girlfriend cuts you loose, your buddies are calling you a free agent. So the, whole, the concept of free agency permeates our entire culture so why why would it not be part of what's happening in college athletics i think i chose my schools uh with regard to where i felt i had the best opportunity to find a date (laughs) or or best bars (laughs) i ended ended up in Terre Haute. maybe i can find one over here here i am so there you go Well, you know what uh that's just that's the nature uh, of the game john (laughs) yes it is marion county semifinals tonight over at southport Pike yeah, and yeah. Lawrence North, Ben Davis and Southport. Listen, these are going to be great games, but I just want them to loosen up those rims when I'm playing there on Sunday morning. So that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> I thought a shooter like you didn't worry about rims <laughs> like that. Tight, you know? tight, tight rims aren't any fun. Tight rims aren't fun. <laughs> Here in the twilight of your career, <laughs> there's no doubt. Soft rims. <laughs> no doubt. But no, great <laughs> semifinals at Southport yeah. tonight. No, they really are. You know, Pike is just going out there. And Bill Zick uh, somehow every year puts together good teams. Uh, they're not as big or as, as quick as they've been in the past. They just go out there and, and do what you're supposed to do. I think the prohibitive favorite's Ben Davis. I mean, Don Carlisle's team is really, really, really good. They're talented, strong, quick, uh, get to the rim. Uh, it's hard to score against them. Um, Eric Brand, I think, has a group of guys who, who have played them tough the first time they played. Uh, so, you know, LN is a different group now, obviously, without Jack, and they're not as big and strong as they used to be. They're, they may be taller starter, something like 6'3, six, 6'4, six, but they play you. They play well, and they're used to winning. And so, semis of the Marion County Tourney are always like, uh, you know, what, regional. Uh, type uh, atmosphere and level of play, quite frankly. And Johnson County, you got CG and oh, yeah. Whiteland tonight. I believe Greenwood and Franklin are that other semifinal, right. Bob. Well, you know, uh, since I've lived here for a hundred years, uh, it's always fun. Uh, Center Grove is just playing great basketball. I mean, Zach Hans done a marvelous job with that group, and they've they've won some close ones. They're playing very very well. Uh, Franklin's struggling right now. Um, Whiteland has uh, and shown some uh, flashes of being able to go, but I think Trojans right now might be the prohibitive favorites in this one. Uh, rest of the schedule tonight, Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk, is going to have all the conversations, all the scores, and all the interviews for you coming up later on tonight for those two semifinals in both Johnson and Marion counties. And then, of course, what's going on around the state. I'm telling you, if there is not, or if you can find a better game than Fishers and Brownsburg tonight, good luck. That seems like a heck of a matchup over in Hendricks County this evening, Bob. Oh, it is. I mean, it, it really is. Uh, Brownsburg uh, will guard you. Uh, some incredibly talented perimeter guys who can make shots, get to the rim, make some things happen. 
Uh, Fishers has played very, very well. They both played tremendous schedules. Um, It's a great game at this particular time of year. I mean, you get a little bit more. You find out a little bit more about yourselves and what you're uh, what you're doing and. Uh, we're at a time of the year, John, where you know we, we're back in school after the holidays, and you can, you're focusing on basketball. You're making that uh, month, month and a half run to the tournament. The girls' pairing show, as I mentioned, is Sunday. Uh, that seems impo- it's impossible, but Greg Raystraw and I are going to be doing that again, thanks to the IHSAA, and we'll be at their headquarters next Sunday from five until seven. Uh, but it's just insane how this is going, how quickly it's going. And there are still, you know, great girls teams out there, especially here in central Indiana. We're blessed to have some unbelievably talented young ladies. And so I think both tournaments are going to be tremendous. Yeah, and I see G's playing really well. I think, um, who was, Noblesville still pretty good this year, I believe, right, too? If you go down. Zion's playing playing awfully, awfully well. You know, so you go down that list, that particular section was going to be tremendous. So. Uh, it's uh, it's fun. Uh, I applaud the great hard work of, of our coaches, uh, the young ladies. This is a uh, we talk about you know a lot of uh, big time power conference programs recruit our, our boys basketball players. Same thing is true, absolutely true on the girls side. So uh, people know where they can go to find tremendous. Uh, student athletes who know the game of basketball. When I see him, I like to make fun of the fact that Michael Armstrong is back down at Franklin with a pretty good squad down there. Again, I like to make fun of that. Well, you know what? He's, you, I've known him as, as long as you have. Uh, he's great. He's great for the game. There's no question. Great for the girls, and not coincidentally, wherever he is, uh, his teams win games. Right. And so, you know, same is true. And uh, we're pretty proud of what they're doing right now. Uh, you mentioned Zionsville, Noblesville, also on the boys' schedule tonight, too. Harrison and Kokomo, Lutheran, Cecina. Um, down down in the southern portion of the state, Lagodian Bar-Reeve is always a humdinger. <laughs> hey, Josh doesn't have the type of team with Bar-Reeve this year that he has in recent years. I think Lagodi's even better this year, but that's Ligoti always is- a fantastic matchup. Well, if you're not already there, you're not getting a seat. Exactly. You know this. I mean, and I, it's not a cliche. It's, it's the truth. Um, they're both good. Uh, they're both made, you know, like you said, uh, Ryan Haywood's kids are playing much, much better at this time of year. Josh has had some, uh, lost some personnel and graduation has, has called them the last couple of years. They're still pretty good. Um, but basketball, that, that, that whole section of, of the state, their sectional will be good. Uh, a team that uh, people, you know, it's a Lagodi team that people like. Without North Davies uh, in the picture, uh, opens some things up for people uh, in, in single A in that part of the state. Yeah, no doubt about that. Pretty good matchups tonight. Anything else you're going to go over this evening with your myriad of guests and all your sports conversation? We got some, uh, we got some college hoops going on. We got Purdue and Butler playing tonight. Not playing each other, but they're playing. So we got some college basketball to talk about there's uh there's a whole lot going on tonight john let me tell you this butler butler the other night against st john's and i, I know uh, that it was going to take a minute uh, for thad to try to cobble this thing together but right. it looked like it was a pickup game in the second half 
at St. John's. It looked yeah, like a pickup yeah, game. Yeah. They were throwing it everywhere, yeah. out of bounds, off legs, right. into backs. And, I mean, it, it, there was a level of discombobulation that you would think, even with new leadership here trying to put something together, may have at least shaken a little bit of that out by the time you get to mid-January. You know, what struck me most was that, um, that, that he walks into a situation where the talent level is really not that high. And you don't have, a, you know, in your first recruiting year, you, you brought in, you know, Manny Bates and, and others. But uh, you, you look at the, the disparity of talent on, on both ends of the floor, they have a long way to go in terms of, uh, you know, decreasing that margin, if you will, or, or trying to make it uh, more even in terms of their, their, their level of talent and performance. And so, you know, you're playing. You're on the road playing a St. John's team that's going to come after you defensively. Um, you you have I me. Mean, Chuck Harris does what he can do. Manny Bates does what he can do. But uh, you you don't have those playmakers that you need uh, throughout your roster. Um, and so, I think the rebuild is going to take them a little longer than what they might think. Quite frankly, unless you get real lucky. But uh, it was uh, it was a hard game to watch, to be honest. Yeah, Purdue, Nebraska. Purdue survived that that meeting, first meeting uh, against Nebraska. If you remember, I think I was talking to Matt Painter about it. At one point at the end of the game, Nebraska, I think, had like Moses Malone type of six offensive rebounds to extend right, one right. one possession. It was amazing, and the Boilers sidestepped that tonight at home. They should, I think, take care of business certainly. And then uh, to IU tomorrow, IU and Wisconsin. Yeah, you look at IU, especially the way they've looked in the second half against Iowa in the past two, Northwestern and Penn State. This team looks like a group that could use a little bit of life thrown into them by a high-level, high-volume, loud crowd tomorrow. I know it's more than that because it's their level of play, but they need something to juice them up because, as we saw the other night against Penn State, they were juiceless. Yeah, they were, John, and uh, it's um, you know it's a team that's underperforming without question. I mean, defensively, you know, you look at earlier in the season, uh, they're better than what they've shown the last couple of weeks. Uh, they're just in a slump. They're in a funk. I'm not sure what the explanation is. It's just that uh, you've got a situation now where you're playing a really, really difficult league. Same thing with with Butler. Uh, you have no easy ones on your schedule. No games to get healthy, so to speak. And I, and I think, um, you know, again, you know, you've got an IU group where the expectations are, are high, and understandably so. But uh, you, what they did defensively was really, really, really disappointing in terms of, uh, you know, didn't guard the ball, uh, you know, had, had no real on-ball defense to speak of, beaten on simple straight-line drives to the rim more than once. Uh, you know, simple concept of closing out shooters seems to have lost them and escaped them. And, um, you know, they paid the price for it. And so we'll see if they learn the lessons uh, in the matchup tomorrow, because if they don't, uh, you know, they're, they're in a, a dangerous situation yes. right now. Yeah. And they got to get themselves turned around rapidly. And, and I'm not necessarily confident that they can necessarily do it. So, 
certainly will go a long way uh, toward that if they're able to get one tomorrow. They're absolutely circling the drain. They need a helper big time at home versus Wisconsin tomorrow. Bob Lovell tonight, tomorrow night, Indiana Sports Talk. All those incredible stations that are among the network Indiana affiliated across this great state. Tonight, tomorrow night, Bob on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, presented as always by CarX, CarX.com, 14 Central Indiana, Joe Children's Run locations. Again, CarX.com today. Have a great night. Have a great night tomorrow night. We'll do it again next week, Bob. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. Bob Lovell right there. Cole's on the other side, and we talked to Desmond Bain of the Grizzlies, if you remember, in the summer. Giving back to his hometown of Richmond has always been a high level of importance. And in terms of how that equates to that matchup with Memphis and the Pacers tomorrow night, we'll get to that story on the other side. Brandon and Garen will lead with the calls as well. Mike Wells, top of the hour. Don Fisher, 5 o'clock hour. Don't go anywhere. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live or 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. It's called Sex Panther by Odeon. It's illegal in nine countries. It's quite pungent. It stings the nostrils. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Golden State and San Antonio playing in the Alamo Dome tonight for the first time in forever. Sean McVay's going back to the Rams. Raheem Morris finished up his conversation and interview with the Colts earlier today. And Jim Irsay sent out a note. A letter pinned to you, the fans. Quote, I can't stand losing. That sounds like a police song. And I hate letting down our fans, and we had too much of both last year. But please know this. No one is more unsatisfied than I am. It is time to start doing. Those are my quotes and not his, by the way. Time to start doing. Time to stop writing. Time for us to stop reading. Time for you and those that you trust, and you're number seven, to start doing. The entirety of that letter throughout the cult social, if you would care to read it in its entirety. 239-1070. Garen is up first today. Hello, Garen. What is up, JMV? What is happening in the world of the most educated on Purdue athletics, Purdue fan out there? How are you doing? Oh. I was trying to remember last time I called in. It's hell. It's been a while. Every time I try to call in the fall, either nobody'd pick up or it'd be busy. So I don't even know if I called up during football season. So, <laughs> so, so we might miss the whole day. Well, start yelling at people around here. Then you got to pick up the phone when the most educated about Purdue athletics, Garen, is calling about Purdue athletics. Our bad. Uh, uh, no, it's just I guess hoops is on the brain right now. Um, it's crazy how good they've been so quick, but. Um, you know, everybody's soon there'd be a step down from last year, just losing the talent of Travion and Ivy and those guys. But, um, I mean, the way Smith plays with just reckless abandon, and as long as they can hit threes like they did second half against Penn State, I, I really like their, their chances this year. Um, it will be interesting to see what kind of freshman wall Fletcher and, and Smith hit at some point. Surely it's coming. But, I mean, right now the Big Ten is – 
not great. No, it's not. <laughs> and uh, I, 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 I like their chances to to navigate. And I, I, I would think fifteen to five wins a conference, and they'll just see what happens in March. But I mean, it's just it's been a fun, fun bunch to watch basketball wise. That um, when they're clicking, they always go for the extra pass. I'm amazed at how much just the the pure outstanding chemistry between Smith and, and Edie on some of those lob passes. It, it looks like they've been playing for a couple of years. And then I go back to how in the hell was this guy not recruited and he's supposedly the fortieth best point guard in the class. I just I I, I don't understand recruiting. <laughs> I, I um here's what I gather when I watch them and then when I, I talk to Matt about it, I don't know how he has and is gonna navigate keeping everybody happy. Know what I mean? And, I, and, and there's, I mean, and I'm talking about the transfer portal unhappiness. Not, uh, you know, I'm not getting enough clock. Wah, right now, unhappiness. I'm just talking about the, the unhappiness that is sure to come because you know these guys are kind of looking at the box score and wondering why, you know, he got 13 minutes and I should get more or something like that. I, that's what I I find fascinating that he's been able to navigate. It, and it's they're young enough and it's new enough that 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 really hasn't crept up, but. You know, let's say, let's say he shortens the rotation of the typical seven or eight, as he's wont to do. You know, does that mean Newman and and Kaufman Wren not get minutes? It very well could. I, I hope they do. I, I hope they can keep it a nine man rotation. But but that's that's one of the things that that he has excelled at managing, and uh, I'm hoping to see if they can do it because you know right now when they play. You compare it to, I don't know, with Illinois, just a bunch of dudes sulking on the sideline and whining about where their NIL money is. That isn't happening at Purdue right now, and uh, obviously things can change with time. But, yeah, you better uh, you better knock on wood. Cause that's, <laughs> I can't imagine that not taking over the world of, of college athletics. Hey, Garrett, have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy the Nebraska-Purdue game tonight, and we'll make sure somebody's going to answer the phone when you call next week. Sounds good, bud. So my man, Garen, the most educated Purdue fan in central Indiana. And his education is Purdue athletics. Somewhere my man, Kyle Udemark said, well, you know, <laughs> I didn't answer the phone. Hey, Brandon, sit tight. We'll get to you coming up next hour as well. Do not go anywhere. Mike Wells of ESPN Radio, Don Fisher in the five o'clock hour. Quick break and we'll come back. Jim Ursay sends a letter to the fans. The Pacers get the Hawks tonight. Taven Jackson in the transfer portal. And Sean McVay is back with the Rams. That and more coming at you. Hour two straight ahead next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Wow. I don't know what to say. I guess, wow. I guess the only thing I can say is I'll promise to keep rocking and rolling making better films. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline, ESPN Radio, former writer, covering the Colts. He is our friend, Mike Wells. The slow jammery entry Friday with Mike. I'm back in studio, Mike. Take it over here. Uh, Let's make it last. 
Let's make it last forever. Forever. <laughs> you know what? Oh, that I love it. Oh, here we go, Jay. Let me hear you tell me you love me. Let me hear you say you'll never leave me. It feels so right. I got a question for you. What Can you, you make an argument that New Jack Swing is the best of R&B and or hip-hop? Any form that has kind of branched off uh, from R&B in this case? Can New Jack Swing, especially the late 80s and early 90s, be considered the best of any of those branches? With, with, without a doubt. I, I would love for somebody to give me something better than that New Jack Swing era of the guy, the Keith Sweat, the Jodeci, uh, the Christopher Williams, the Troops. Uh, give me, give me, somebody tell me something better than what was going on. And, and listen, had R. Kelly not turned out to be crazy and doing stupid things, taking advantage of young women, I would put him in that category. But I've, I've banned myself from listening to R. Kelly uh, uh, of songs. But no, that, that was... And think about it. They transitioned from the – they did that 90s. It started with the new edition stuff in the 80s. Yep. Transitioned to that new Jack Swing. Then you move on to the times of, like, uh, Jagged Edge and all those guys into the late 90s. That was a hell of a transition period when it came to R&B music. Yeah, I mean, all all of it just was – was fantastic. You mentioned Troop. Um, yeah, Rex and Effect. Anything that Teddy Riley was a part of, whether it was Guy or Rex and Effect or Blackstreet, always turned out to be fantastic. I, I, I don't think we give it enough credit. That's why we're going to go hang out coming up in March at Gamebridge Fieldhouse and, and watch this right before us, Keith Sweat and Guy and New Edition. And we're going to love it. Can't wait. I mean, listen, we're coming up on a two-month mark from it. It seems like um, it was just three-plus months until we were going to get there. We are at basically near the near point of January. So uh, before we know it, it'll be March 24th because it is creeping up on us, brother. I'm assuming babies were created while listening to Make It Last Forever a great deal, starting back in late 1987. Think so? Man. Oh my goodness! We got a hey, there's, there's a lot of uh, 36, 37 year old kids right now in the world, and all of a sudden, their mom and daddy say that's and Keith Sweat comes on. Their mom and daddy say that was my jam back in the day, and the daddy looks at your mama, looks at the mama, and says, "You right about that?" No doubt. Not new Jack. New Jack is awesome and that show is going to be great too we're good we're good to go i've checked into dion here uh karen vaughn the great jc culver from our north campus here as well and uh we're going to be good to go coming up in late march it's going to be a blast i hope i hope we see everybody down there too man this is going to be a party Hey, speaking of North Campus, what, hey, have you guys moved yet off the circle or are you still in the oh circle? we're still here yeah this is like the first time first friday i think i've been here one friday since july this is the second Friday since July that I've been in studio here on a Friday. Why? Why are you in studio today? Why aren't you at uh, Twin Peaks or? Yeah, Hoover? I know, I know, I know. Yeah, well, the season ended, and you know, instead of the postseason, you get the uh, letter from Jim Irsay. It's all good, right? It's what we know this oh, team to my. be right now. No postseason, but a five-paragraph letter from the Colts owner to the fans about how. 
Uh, to paraphrase here, this ain't happening again kind of stuff, right? So, <laughs> hey, at least it, it, I'll tell you, it beats being in front of the plane talking about all the chips in. Well, yeah. At least he he tamed it down a little bit. Yeah, he just kind of played off of that. Last year, you could be mad, and there was that convenient blame you could place on the shoulders of Carson Wentz. And and this year, it was just a masterpiece of a mess, and basically it was guided by the owner, right? I mean, it was guided by the owner, a masterpiece of a mess. They are the worst of the worst in the NFL right now. So you made a great point last year. The owner was able to basically blame everything on Carson Wentz. We know Carson was shipped off to the commanders. If you had to put in your in your order of blame, what is your who's your top three in order of blame? Uh, well, I mean, it always starts at the top, and. Jim Irsay even said as much today. Starts with him, so it is on him. It is on Chris Ballard. It was on Frank Reich. It's on the coaching staff, and it's it's on a a team that you know never said that they lacked any enthusiasm, but it was tough to find it there late in the season. So it starts at the top with this thing, though, especially this year. I mean, getting in there and, you know, cutting those decisions like you did and, you know, forcing the hand of Ellinger. I know these aren't the biggest deals in the world now that you look back on it because they had so many embarrassing games trying to force in there Matt Ryan and then the Nick Foles games and stuff. But it all starts at the top with this mess. And, you know, now you're going to start out 2023 knowing that a guy in Chris Ballard that um, has – had a maybe a a handful, I mean not even a handful, uh, a year or two that have been solid in terms of results. You get another swing at it, and he's going to get a chance to to swing at a new coach, and you know more than likely your quarterback of the future, which seems a little illogical to me, I guess, when you look at it. I don't know about you, it just it didn't seem right to me. I thought that there was plenty of reason why you should be starting new in the general manager, head coach, and that quarterback capacity. But Jim Mercer chose not to. Well, listen, I, we, I think we've all realized in all our years of being around Jim Irsay, Jim Mercer is going to do what Jim Irsay wants, whatever whatever Jim Mercer wants to do. That's what's, gonna, that's what's going to happen. And he has there, – there's a couple things I find an issue with is that Routinely, Ursa, like, you know, you can try to track him down toward the end of the season outside the locker room. He's just kind of uh, outside of his sit down for the Monday night game against the Chargers. He's been silent in talking to the media. I thought after this basically, you know, a poo poo show of a season, he would have talked last Sunday, especially when they lost to the Texans to seal the disastrous season. But he's been, he's been quiet, and I would love to hear his explanation. I know he said it tonight that Jeff Saturday was named interim coach on why that, he, that Chris Bauer would be the general manager general general manager next season. I want to know now officially why that is the case, considering the Colts. I don't think they won another game after he uh, they won one game after he made that comment on the night that Saturday was named interim. It's a Mike Wells of ESPN Radio with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Longtime coverer of the Colts and the Pacers. We'll get to the Pacers coming up in a minute and their uh, their new situation, at least for the next couple of weeks, starts tonight against the Hawks at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. What, what do you think? What conclusion have you drawn as of this time, which, be, which would be the best way to move forward 
as they're looking for a head coach. And then if you're staked out at another f- number four coming up in the spring in that draft in round one, should they stay there? Should they move up? What do you think they should be doing here this offseason-wise with those two very important decisions? First, I'm going to work backwards. I think they do whatever it takes to move up to number one. I think there's, I think there's a significant difference between – well, first of all, the Houston Texans are going to take – whatever quarterback doesn't go number one, whether it's C.J. Stroud or, or, or Bryce Young. If I'm the coach, I'm doing whatever it takes to move up to number one, to take um, hopefully Bryce Young. I think you really – you can't sit here and say, well, we, we, we took the, uh, you know, the, you know, the Kentucky kid at number four, so we, we addressed the quarterback situation. He's the, most un, uh, he's the most unproven of the three. I think if you're that serious about getting a um, – franchise quarterback, you move up to number one, try to get Bryce Young, and I know Ballard says he loves his draft picks. This is one time where you say, hey, we will give up draft picks, potentially players, to get that number one pick to hopefully solve um, the revolving door quarterback. Here's so what, that, 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 yeah. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, here's what's interesting, too, and, and there's nothing concrete here, but this is just a lot of, um, I guess you would call it Twitter, yip-yapping and I just saw it inside the lounge via YouTube Live. They're talking about it as well. As there is, there's been some conversation, some rumor that C.J. Stroud might possibly return to Ohio State. I mean, again, nothing concrete. That's not what I'm sitting here and expecting whatsoever. But that would, I think, throw a wrench into it. Because I agree with you, Mike. I, I think that you want to give yourself all the options here. Right, You want to have the most options to move forward with the best quarterback in this draft for the longer-term future, and I think that's what you have to do, pair something up and and give something up to Chicago. We'll see if they end up doing that, but C.J. Stroud is the guy I like more than anybody else. I like C.J. Stroud more than I do Bryce Young, certainly more than I do Will Levis. Maybe that changes with the combine and pro days, but that's how I feel right now. And let's just say if any of this rumor stuff is true, that would throw a major wrench, you would have to think, into things. Holy cow, because then you're, you're, then you're competing against the Texans for that number one pick. You're competing against them because, the, you know, it's obvious they need a quarterback too. Yeah, If C.J. Stroud were to stay at Ohio State, Man, I'm happy. To, I would be happy if I'm the Chicago Bears that Stroud stays because they're going to be able to sit there and hold that pick as ransom and get whatever the hell they want out of it. I, why? Why do you like Stroud better than uh, Bryce Young? Um, you know, and again, I've said this, and there's there's not a a great deal. Not a great deal of experience of seeing him do what he did against Georgia, but it's basically that game. And it's unfair of me to, to make that judgment. Like, it's unfair of me to make that judgment, I think, you know, with Will Levis in mind uh, against teams like Georgia this past year when he watched him. But the way I watched Stroud against Georgia in that game, against what is a, a top-notch, as we saw, back-to-back national championship team. And even though they lost all of that defensive talent to the draft, still a high-caliber, high-quality defense, moving around, making pinpoint throws. And again, you can make the argument, best wide receivers in the country he has at Ohio State. People want to argue Ohio State quarterbacks, historically speaking, don't make a high impact at the NFL. All that could be true, but when I watched him against Georgia, I absolutely love what I watched and I thought that that would fit together with all these needs this Colts team has a quarterback like a glove yeah and so I would you make the reason why I'm leery of Stroud 
props to him. I, I, again, what he did against Georgia, props to him. Uh, I, I, I'm basing it off the history of Ohio State quarterbacks. I'm like, when is the last time Ohio State has has gotten a quarterback that has really, really done things? And I, and, and that's a legitimate question. I'm not being a smart ass off of it. I'm just curious. Um, I can't think off the top of my head when's well, everybody's leaning on Justin Fields now, for example. So everybody's leaning on him. That's that's most recent. Yeah. But no, I mean, listen. There's there's no doubt of history. I'm, I'm just looking in the now. I'm I'm looking at this guy in the now, and for what you need in this draft, as far as his skill set, from what I saw, I think against a great example, the closest example you're going to see to NFL caliber talent. I thought it was fantastic. So, I mean, you can make an argument about Bryce Young. There's nothing against him at all. I mean, he's obviously navigated through the SEC. He's still right there, too. But I do. I like Stroud more than anybody right now. Yeah. Hey, what about on the, on, on the head coaches? We've seen the names that who have interviewed already. I got to tell you, this is what bothers me. Bubba Ventron gets that, gets the interview, in-house candidate, I just baffled on why he didn't get the interim job in the first place. Yeah, because the owner was, wanted Jeff Saturday. Yeah, that's why. Yep. Yeah, the owner wanted, but but then if I'm Bob, I'm like, hold on. I know I want to be a head coach in the NFL, but you wouldn't even give me the interim job. Yeah, he, he probably not saying he probably not saying that because he's Bubba Ventrone, the special teams coach, and. Jim Irsay's the owner, but no, I mean, it, there was no chance because that, the reason why they made that move, that's what Jim Irsay wanted at that moment, and nobody was going to change his mind, including Chris Ballard. God, man, that just, yeah, that just, uh, on the outside looking in, I'm just like, that screwed up. You didn't want to give him the job because the owner, like you said, won a Saturday, but now you're saying, okay, yeah, Bubba, we think you're, you know, potentially could be head coaching. You could be potential head coach for us. So we'll look at your interview. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how to look at it. I don't know if you look at it like if you look at it like, well, at least you know now that by by the results that he's not the guy. Or I don't know if you look at it right now thinking, well, this team is going to be crap anyway. Look what he had to deal with being thrown in that. Um, how do you know that he's is not the guy considering what he had to deal with? And I know more people are siding against he's not the guy, but I think you can make arguments on on both sides of that and again if you're Jim Irsay and you wanted to see Jeff Saturday coach long term and I mean next year if you're going to go ahead and pull that rabbit out of your hat in the offseason that's when you should have done it instead of doing it during the midseason and watch all this this stuff get flushed right down the toilet and then the court of public opinion completely turn against Jeff Saturday which clearly has happened yeah uh, oh my god if for some reason Irsay you know, if, if Ballard says, okay, Jeff Saturday's not the guy, and Ursay says, hey, we're going to make him a long-term answer, man, Lucas Oil Stadium could be pretty damn empty next season, I think, in my opinion. I don't think how you can – I don't think how the fans will say, okay, yeah, we're going to come support this team outside of a complete, you know, ro- roster overhaul to upgrade and keep the key positions where fans want to come out and support the Colts, if that were to happen. So Mike Wells of ESPN Radio, friend of the show, longtime coverer of the Colts. We'll get to the Pacers coming up in a minute. You mentioned the coach, and, and you started to ask who I liked. And I've been kind of obvious with this. It is certainly – to me, the hard target of, of Jim Harbaugh. I kind of feel like I'm I'm just kind of sitting on an island and and hoping uh, that I hear something about Harbaugh, like uh, you know you know Tom Hanks and get rescued here, and it's just simply not going to happen. You hear a bit and a piece, like Jeremy Fowler had something, and 
and you wonder if the Colts had any interest whatsoever, my God, with the way that leakage happens right now among NFL circles, wouldn't we've already heard about it a little bit? It just seems like either they haven't talked yet, anything legitimately, or this is like one of the best kept secrets around here of all time, and I would probably go uh, with that first choice there, to be honest. It just doesn't seem like that there's much there. Maybe I'm hoping a little bit too much. I don't think there's much. I don't. I, I would have to think that there's not much there, especially based off the fact of, first of all, Harbaugh's not doing anything right now. Maybe outside of if they're allowed to recruit or whatever, which I guess some kids in the Travis portal, and the Colts are announcing when they have conduct interviews, and there has been it has been straight crickets on that front of things right now. You're not you're not hearing a peep about Jim Harbaugh when it comes to the the, the Colts and the head coaching search. And um, so, why, why you just think Harbaugh's the best candidate? Do you think you know? Do you think? Well, I think he's. I think he's the absolute coaches? best for this situation. This situation requires a lot. It requires a good coach um, with a stern hand, somebody that I think has had results at the NFL level, and maybe most importantly in all of this, at least to me, somebody that the owner would trust to get the hell up out of the way and fade into the background and let that coach, and I'm assuming his general manager being Chris Ballard, do their work and not meddle, not intervene as he did this past year. I think Jim Harbaugh brings all of those above qualifications to what is just an incredible mess here. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he does. Because uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Harbaugh, did Harbaugh do anything in the front office with the 49ers, or was he strictly just a head coach? Well, he got in a fight with Trent Baalke, I think, while he was there. Oh, I think yeah. they, they uh, yeah. had a bit of a back and forth, and that, that didn't go well. So I, don't get me wrong. He's going to have a shelf life. We know a lot of coaches, especially those that are hardcore and maybe in this case a little bit wacky, he's going to have a shelf life. I just consider Jim Harbaugh what is best suited head coaching-wise for this team right now, and that's nothing against you know a guy like Ben Johnson who's an offensive coordinator and supposed to be this in, incredible smart guy and a future great head coach or nothing against a guy that's already done it once at a very young age, Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator of the Rams, Eric Bieniemy who has yet to be given a shot, you know, with all those great results in Kansas City as the OC, never had a shot, nothing against those guys. I'm just talking about the qualifications that is necessary to get through this absolute mess right now as a head coach. I think Jim Harbaugh, and I hate saying checking the boxes of it all, but I think he he is the guy that is qualified for each and every category that's necessary. Yeah, hey, you, just, you just gave a hell of a sales pitch on why he would fit in. It's, it's very unfortunate, especially the fact that Ballard said on Tuesday that this this coaching search would take could take a while, potentially. That he does not. I would interview as many people as possible to make sure you don't plumb plumb you know plum, um, make it too clumsy because this franchise is at a point that it is has not seen in who knows how long, and they cannot afford to continue to fumble, bumble, stumble along the way after what has happened the last couple of years. And no doubt people around here are tired of it. Tired of it. And, you know, you get this the letter sent from 
from Jim Ursay with I'm sure the the greatest of intentions, but people just go, oh great, you know, another video. Oh great, another letter. Oh wait a minute, we only really heard from you after the last time, you know, that you won. We only hear from you from the good times, and now, you know, here's the letter about you know, I'm going to tirelessly, you know, give effort. I, I, I just to me. I'm not suggesting that um, everything I say is right. I just think I am certainly right as far as what is necessary here as a head coach. So, and and disappointed that you know you you pin that letter, Mike. You pin that letter and talk about what is going on with your organization, but you keep hanging around the general manager that has been an integral part of this for the past six years. I mean, I, it, it seems like that it's a bit of a mixed message with the fans out there, to say the least. Yeah, boy, I can't, I can't wait for that press conference when they announce a new head coach, and somebody in the media um, asked Jim Mercy why Chris Bowers is still general manager. Because I got, I got to give, I got to give some of the media props. I, I, I listened to the press conference, bits and pieces of it, um, on on a, on a Tuesday, and. Uh, the Zach Keepers and stuff, those guys really, they were not trying to let Chris Ballard off the hook easily on what was going on. So I give them credit for, you know, pressing the issue. And I'm sure they'll ask the same question once, once um, the new head coach is named. Well, Chris was savvy and calculated. That's what you, when the first thing, and I, I mean, there was nothing else to say. But when you come out and say, I I have failed, I have failed, I mean, you do. You uh, you take a little bit of the juice of th- those harsher question possibilities out of the mix when you come out of the gate and you say that. And that is that is what a, a savvy talker does, for lack of a better description. That's exactly what he did Tuesday. Yeah, oh, 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 oh that, was, that was very well played when he said, I failed. Yeah. Oh, he... Um... Oh, he knew he knew what the hell he was doing right there. Matt Conti and the boys did a great job making sure he was he was very well uh, situated to prepare for that uh, for what was going to be coming. All right, Pacers moving forward at least for the next two weeks, Mike. Without Tyrese Halliburton, oh man! All right, we'll, I haven't seen yet. I don't know about Miles back. Get rid of those back spasms. Get our guy back in the lineup tonight against Atlanta. Uh, two weeks, so the better part of two weeks. Hopefully, it's uh, is on the short end of that, and everything is okay. Without Tyrese Halliburton, how do you think this thing is going to look? Man, it. it um, I don't know. I, I I don't know because the thing is, what, what were the pages down like? What twenty five or so to the Knicks the other night? And then they made it interesting yeah. in the fourth quarter. Right, their, their their effort is going to allow them to win some games that probably some people don't think they would win without without Halliburton and stuff. But I think when it's all said and done, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a struggle for them to uh, try to to uh, you know stay afloat for these next two weeks. But you never know because what I think the one thing we've seen about this Pacer team is that they are scrappy. They will compete no matter what. They're not going to quit, and they're not going. There's not going to be too many nights where they have the type of performance where you're like, these boys just didn't show up. Here's the problem that you have, and believe me, you're going to have this issue with or without Tyrus Halliburton. But it's certainly more magnified without him. Atlanta tonight, which is an absolute must to get them, as you did a couple of weeks ago. Here, you get Memphis 
tomorrow night, which tomorrow is going to be night. beyond tough. And then you go on the road for four at Milwaukee, which, by the way, I get to take a break on Monday because that's an afternoon affair on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So I'm going to get a break, and they're going to play Milwaukee in Milwaukee on Monday. OKC that scores a buttload of points. They are all hey, offense hey. all the time. And then Denver and Phoenix after that on the road. That is a tough look right there, Mike. Yeah, and and OKC went into Philly and put up they did one thirty one thirty three last night against the seventy sixers. So um, they got they, the Patriots are better play some defense. And you talk about not that there's ever a good time for a good player to get injured, uh, but that's not a good time for you for you for a good player to get injured. But again, um, four you know what four six six tough games. You know Atlanta Atlanta's trying to stay in the mix of things. Uh, but I, I think they'll find a way to win some that we probably think they're going to lose, especially at a, on that four-game road trip. Gilgis Alexander for OKC put up 37 last night, too. He's a scoring machine. They they just put up big numbers offensively. Yeah. I, and, and you, and you I don't know, OKC. like, five guys on their team either. That's the other aspect. Well, and, and that's what I was about to say. <laughs> everybody, everybody forgot about – Everybody forgot about OKC once he started cleaning house, got rid of uh, Westbrook, and then Paul left. Everybody forgot about OKC, but um, what's my boy's name, the GM, Presty? Presty? Yeah, Sam Presty. Yeah, he's got 1,000 draft picks in the first round coming up in the next seven years. Yeah, he finds a way to get things and make things um, to try to keep OKC in the mix. And like you said, we know the game. People, so people will watch you if you're going to score a lot of points. If you suck still, people will watch you if you score a lot of points. Yeah. Not, I mean, they have, at least this season, offensively speaking, have turned it into um, a, a more than decent watch uh, to do that. I mentioned Gilgus Alexander. Josh Giddy. I think he was a second-year young player, about 20 out of Australia. Yeah, they look really good in beating, actually thumping the 76ers with Joe Embiid, by the way, in the lineup. Last night, got that done. All right, hey, a, a, go ahead. A twenty point win, man. A twenty yeah. point win. Yeah, impressive. What you got going on this weekend? How's my girl? Man, she's doing. She's doing good. Um, good start to the uh, middle school season. Shout out to the Brownsburg East Middle School girls. Off to a four and zero start. Uh, man, hey, you got the JV takeover tomorrow night, man. I do. Man, normally I try to catch you off and on if I'm in the car. We're going head to head tomorrow night, brother. What's happening? We're we're going. Oh wait a minute! You on ESPN Radio tomorrow night? I'm on ESPN Radio from seven to ten tomorrow night. So uh, we are going head to head, and those who love the music will be listening to music, and hopefully those who love sports will be chiming in and listening to uh, me on um, Sirius XM channel channel eighty. What would the uh, lovely Layla be listening to? Well, listen. It depends on the day. Well, usually she's mad at me these days, so she's she's taking she's taking the homie JMV six out of seven days a week. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow, tomorrow will probably be one of those days where she rolls with you because she is all about JMV and she cannot wait to see Laney and Grace and, and Kennedy and the crew on January thirtieth here in Brownsburg. Oh Let's yeah, that's, this way. that's coming up too. I think we're two and zero. I think they played last night at Lynnhurst. Well, the Lenhurst Middle School feeds into Ben Davis, I think. So, 
nice, nice. I bet mean, yes. Listen, she she was upset when they played the other Brown, the other Center Road Middle School last Saturday that it wasn't the uh, Laney and the crew. She thought it was going to be them, but hopefully it's a five thirty game. I know you're on the air. Yeah. Uh, can we talk to the bosses and see if we can <laughs> yeah. uh, take the night off? I don't know. Swing on over to Brownsburg. Some days it may be better off if I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, try, I trust me. If, if Laney's if Laney is listening right now, I'm pretty I'm pretty darn sure she's telling me to shut up and say I want my dad at work. Leave him at work. I don't need I don't need to hear after a missed shot. Maybe you ought to take Laney to the eye doctor after this game. <laughs> she doesn't oh, want to hear my. that. Yeah, I think you oh, need glasses. Man. You know, and then she is so awesome. I was playing. And she, I actually took her to the gym for an open gym, and I, I shot one and missed. And she said, I think you need glasses. And it was just such a great get back to me. I love it. I love it when she gives uh, it right back. I love me some Laney. But, hey, brother, hey, have a great weekend, you too. man. And uh, enjoy. Actually, you know what? Enjoy the three-day weekend. Ah, uh, yeah. And ESPN Radio for Mike Wells tomorrow night nationally. ESPN Radio. Yes, sir, brother. You have a good one. I'll talk to you next you week. You too, Mike. Mike Wells, ESPN Radio, tomorrow night on ESPN Radio. Head-to-head with me on the JMV Takeover. What you got? What you got tomorrow night? I'm feeling. I'm feeling a little new Jack swing tomorrow night. I'm kind of feeling that right now. Quick break. We'll come back. Brandon, you'll start. Caleb's on the other side. And anybody else at 239-1070, if you want to jump in here, cannot wait to hear from you. Pacers-Hawks, pregame 630. Uh, Nothing yet on miles from what I have seen. Well, we know that there's going to be no Tyrese Halliburton. Last words at 6 o'clock, Indiana Sports Talk. After that, in studio, your calls and voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher. I use get a big one at home against Wisconsin tomorrow. Don Fisher talks with us, top of the hour. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. I want you out in front of the school with her. I'd like to have a few words with you, by God. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Mike Wells. Bob Lovell Podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Who sent me this instant request here as a re-entry song? It is JT. How about a little Brian McKnight? I did not go with... Six eight twelve. I actually went with any time. My bad. I should have read that better. I'll do that for the as you ask here the Mike Wells reentry next Friday. A little Brian McKnight for you right there. Uh, you Indy back on the south side tomorrow night. Twenty fourth ranked Hounds thirty or thirteen and two five and two versus the eleventh ranked Missouri St Louis squad that's fourteen and one and six and one. Uh, we talked to Paul Casaro earlier in the week about that. That's some awesome basketball there on the south side. It's you, Indy. Rex Hampton writes this, The Colts announcing every interview seems to be overcompensating for the blowback they received for picking Saturday off the set of ESPN without promoting from within or running through a process. I still think it's going to be hardball. I'm telling you, we may be on that island alone. At least you can join me, Rex. Because it's that sliver from Jeremy Fowler a couple of days ago 
And I think other than that is combined with my hope of what I believe is absolutely necessary and what is the best solution moving forward at head coach for the Colts that seemingly has no traction whatsoever. I'm hanging on to something that nobody is talking about, and it doesn't sound like anything is there. Now, we shall see, Rex. Brandon is at 239-1070. Brandon, welcome to the show. How you doing, JMB? Great. Thanks for the call. Hey, uh, two things real quick. Just wanted to say first, shout-out to my Boilers and the basketball team. Heck of a season so far. Very surprising. And uh, one of the more fun seasons I've ever watched. Just had to give them a little shout-out You got it. And uh, second of all, this is beating a dead horse, but I haven't said it yet. Um, And I'm hoping maybe after you can give me a a positive outlook of some sort because it's already given me pretty negative ideas about next season. But how in the world can Jim Irsay walk into the stadium next year and look fans in the face when Ballard is still the general manager of this team? Did he not put it together? Is he not the one who scoffed at everyone who questioned things? Is he not? Was he not in charge? If anything, I feel as if he should have been the one before Reich. I I just don't understand. So I'm guessing I'm hoping – Maybe you can clarify. No, 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 no. Yeah, it is. It is the the. All right, it is the trust that he still clearly has with Ballard. Now, you you could make I think more of a a slight side argument that maybe like when I say, let's go ahead and clear the board completely. General manager, head coach, a future long term quarterback, drafting, just do it all in one year. Maybe that would be too much. Maybe they feel that that's too much. Maybe they feel that they absolutely need the input on this uh, with the other two decisions in mind from Ballard. Again, that is a small percentage, I think, side argument that you can certainly have. But altogether, it's because Jim Irsay still has a high level of trust in Ballard. And I guess maybe I'd feel better about it if it was just kind of a regular turnover, disappointing season. But this is a pick a future quarterback, like you've said. Yes. I mean, this is a big off season. And, and what has he shown that shows I'm the guy that should make these choices for the next, I mean, could be 10 years. Yeah. I mean, I, I, seriously, if you're looking at the body of work, or as we often mention now, results – they are not there. And a lot of these arguments as to why or excuses as to why certainly by now should have timed out. Yeah. What else you got? Well, nothing, JMV. Appreciate you taking my call. Love Brandon, you call anytime. Thank you very much. Wait, 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 Andrew Barrett, what? My Uber driver tomorrow night is gonna, not going to be tuned in to me? Come on, man. I'll give you updates on that stuff. Gotta have my Uber drivers out there. Here's what I love on Saturday night. I love, I'll give you a great example. So somebody tweeted at me last Saturday night and said, hey, I just walked into a Huck's convenience store in Hope, Indiana. And they had you blasting away on the JMV takeover. That's what I love to hear. So let me tell you this. Bad signal out to everybody listening tomorrow night. If you walk into a place and they're rocking the show, the JMV takeover tomorrow night, please find a way to tell me. Twitter is the best at JMV 1070. Or if you are working somewhere tomorrow night and you want me to give some love to wherever you're working, please feel free to tweet me and I will give you that particular love. I I absolutely love hearing from you, especially like that on a Saturday night. 
Also, deep down inside, I think you all know this. I'm a big fan of Huck's convenience stores. Huck's and Casey's are kind of right up there. Big fan of Huck's. Yeah, somebody had asked me about the C.J. Stroud rumor that he is considering going back to Ohio State. I saw my man Litzy jump in here. Ohio State pays better. Wahlberg's giving lots of money to pay that Lloyd's of London insurance policy. Stroud is the real deal faster than everyone thinks, has size, and is smart. That NIL money going to be better at Ohio State for one more year? Again, I haven't seen anything concrete, but that is a rumor that is floating around right now. Caleb is next, 239-1070. Caleb, welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, JMB? Good to hear from you. Go ahead. Yeah, actually, I sat on here for 20 minutes before uh, you derailed me a minute before I went to go get on about the uh, C.J. Stroud returning rumors. So I just got one question yes. for you. Um, if he does indeed return, does that make them trading up to one even more of a focus? Or where do they go from there? <laughs> I, 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 not? I don't know. It, that that I don't even See, I don't even know if they're hard targeting at all, Stroud. That's just me. That's not necessarily them. They may love Levis. They <laughs> love it at Levitt's used to be a, a phrase back here for Levitt stores, if you remember that. But they may love him. They may love somebody else. They may not even consider until a later round a quarterback and everybody will freak out. They, I, I don't know what they're thinking. That's just my thought. That would certainly recalibrate my thinking without question. And I'm assuming that everybody else that has a stake in a quarterback would feel the same way. So do you think they would have to beat up them if it was you? What's that? I'm sorry. Do you think they would have to trade up? If, if you were Chris Ballard, would you then trade up? Um, I, I think it would be even. That, that, that pick at number one, you're thinking how much it's going to take right now with two options. Consider how much it would take to get up there now from a bear standpoint if you were trying to get at one. I mean, if if you're you know Houston or if you're you know maybe New Orleans or any other team that's trying to get up there, that would make that pick even more valuable for Ryan Poles in Chicago. Yeah, it, that'd be a lot tougher. I, I don't know if the Colts would have nearly enough. I'm, I'm questioning whether or not they have enough ammo to get up there now. If they wanted to get up there now, I, I couldn't imagine that they would. If you you really you know higher higher dollar higher value that pick if something like that happens with Stroud. Most definitely appreciate it. Caleb, you call anytime. Have a great weekend. I see this from Zach Hicks. Zach Hicks covers the Colts. Todd Meyer, have a great weekend. (laughs) He tweets this, I am all for NIL getting these dudes paid, but Stroud could lose millions if he goes back and doesn't take another step toward... The NFL declare, lock up millions, and get into the NFL situation as an early draft pick. This was from Mike Renner about 30 minutes ago. Draft analyst from PFF says, with whispers of C.J. Stroud returning for NIL money, here's the signing bonuses by pick, by pick number, I should say, from 2022. Number one, 24.3. Number five, 19.9. How much money would he have to get paid to want to return? 12.1. Number 10, 
seven four, number twenty, number thirty three, three point nine, number fifty, two point three. Find out if any of those rumors turn out to be true. Dakota Bill, other side calls. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. Ninety three five one zero seven five. The fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. It takes him a second to get on the stool because he's under 5 feet tall. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, wherever you're going tonight, thank you very much for tuning in. A lot of high school games tonight. Marion County semifinals down at Southport. Johnson County semifinals. Oh, you got big ones tonight. What, Fishers-Brownsburg, I think, this evening, too. Last night, number six, Indiana, on the women's side, knocked off number nine, Maryland. And I've said this before on Twitter and actually said this on the show. I think Grace Berger is an absolute badass. Big fan of Sydney Parrish, too. Her father's... You know, obviously, Sean Parrish that played at Owen Valley, played collegiately at Ball State with that that team at Ball State that nearly knocked off UNLV in 1990. That aside, though, I'm going to get the badass on the show coming up, I believe, on Tuesday or Wednesday. I think Grace Berger is going to come on. We'll talk about Grace Berger as the player and her IU women's team. This has been a long time coming. I do. I I admire. She is just tough as nails, and I love it. So we're going to get Grace on the show coming up either Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. Bill is next at 239-1070. Hello, Bill. How we doing? Fantastic. What's up? Hey, man. Great show, as always. But uh, actually, you kind of beat me to the punch like the, like the previous caller, too. I was just going to comment about the rumor about C.J., um, and let me preface that with saying I've been all on board with, hey, let's do what we got to do to get the number one pick. Tired of the retread quarterback stuff and, and all that. I'm with you. I wanted Ballard gone as well. But I thought about this yesterday, and my question is, especially now with Stroud, whoever knows what's gonna, what he's going to do, but the rumors that what uh, Lamar Jackson is not uh, happy in Baltimore, that he might be out there, I know it costs a lot of money, but – would that one be worth the retread? Yeah, I just I don't think that they would have enough nor be in the game. I think I think they have their mind set on restarting it long term at quarterback with whomever they end up liking in this draft. I, I agree with you, and I think it's probably Stroud if it's between him and Young. But I, when Lamar Jackson's name's out there, you got to at least maybe at least kick the tires, do you think, or no? Yeah, I don't know if they're going to do any veteran quarterback via trade tire kicking this year. I think they've kicked enough tires. <laughs> I think they're done yeah, with well, that. No, I, now, again, 100%. Like, I'm not suggesting here, Bill, maybe something goes haywire and maybe Stroud, this rumor is true. I, I doubt it, but that would certainly that would shake up everything at that position in this draft, really no matter sure. where you're going to pick unless you're picking number one sure. and like Bryce Young. So I maybe – Maybe if something like that happens, but I can't imagine. I think hardcore at whom they like in this draft, who they target in this draft to lead them in the future is what they're going to do. I absolutely agree. Hey, man, thanks for the time. Great show. Bill, have a great weekend. Dakota, before the top of the hour break, you're on the show. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Great, Dakota. How are you doing? 
I'm doing good. So I uh, so I read something earlier in the week uh, from Ballard. Somebody had asked him what he um, will do to get that franchise quarterback, and his response was, I will do anything. So is that him saying, do you think that he's actually going to go trade up for that first pick? Or is he just blowing smoke out nah, there? No, he's just saying we're going to do what we have to do to get who we like, is what he was saying. That's how I took it on Tuesday. That's what I was thinking, because I don't think he's going to move up to that number one pick. Because we don't what, – what do we offer for that number one pick at this point? Yeah, I, I listen, I, I want them to go – and go up and get it. I want them to have the most options on the board. It just with the competition they're going to have and the price tag that Chicago is going to want, I don't know if they're going to be able to get it done. And then if this this Stroud rumor, which probably isn't true, but let's just say for example, for the sake of the argument, it turns out to be true, uh, then I don't think there's any way because then all of a sudden the value of that Chicago pick goes even higher and the competition gets even stiffer. So then I don't think there's any way. But Oh, yeah. it, it would be tough anyway. So we'll see what they do it for. Right, yeah, most definitely. And do you like do you like Levis or is it pretty much CJ Stroud? I've, I've been pretty by? much Stroud, and I've I've like apologized for. So the games I've seen of Levis, they haven't been impressive, and I'm going on a very small sample size. Maybe he's a lot better than the games that I have seen. But, you know, this past year, there wasn't much of an impression there. People tell me that he didn't have much to work with offensively at Kentucky. Maybe that's the case. I probably have not given enough credit, uh, certainly. But he's going to be, I think, logically the third quarterback taken off the board if Stroud is still involved in this. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. See, I think Stroud or nobody else. Hey, Dakota, have a great weekend. Thank you for the call. Yeah, you do. All right. 239-1070. You and Don Fisher on the other side. Shane wants to know about the Stroud rumor. Uh, it's kind of bouncing around the college football Twitterverse right now that, that uh, C.J. Stroud uh, is thinking about going back to Ohio State and taking the NIL money and playing another year in Columbus, which would blank everything up, you would have to think. So that is the rumor, unsubstantiated rumor. It is Twitter conversation right now, Shane. Matthew and more, other side, Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, 5 o'clock hour on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan, next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. This will be the high point of my day. It's all downhill from here. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. You do have college basketball coming up later on tonight. Uh, Boilermakers at home this evening. Purdue against Nebraska, if you remember that nail biter. Um, Not quite a month ago. Boilermakers third ranked, about 14 points. They're the favorite at home tonight. 15 and 1, 4 and 1 in the Big Ten. 7 o'clock, they're underway. 9 and 8, Freddie Horberg's team out of Lincoln. 2 and 4 in the Big Ten. And 1 for Butler. Butler needs a win. And Butler needs to string together just some possessions of good play and not look like a stinking pickup game like he did earlier this week against St. John's. You would normally say easier said than done against Villanova, but Villanova, first year without Jay Wright, Kyle Neptune, their head coach, 
Eight and nine, two and four, Big East. Ten and eight, Butler, two and five in the Big East. And Nova riding a two-game losing streak. Also, Butler, same thing with that two-gamer right there. That is a seven o'clock start as well. Collegiately speaking, coming up later on tonight, as I mentioned too, IU's got a big one in Bloomington tomorrow to get some semblance of positivity back within, in and around and outside of the program. Any sort of belief, three-game losing streak, and it all seemingly started in the second half back on the fifth at Carver-Hawkeye Arena. It's been an absolute mess since then. Lost at home to Northwestern last Sunday, and then that whatever that thing was Wednesday night at State College against Penn State. Three-game losing streak, 10-6 and six overall, 1-4 and four in the Big Ten, and they get top 25 Wisconsin coming up tomorrow afternoon at 1. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, scheduled to get with us. Until he does, I do have time to work in your calls. I haven't heard anything regarding Miles yet, heard or seen anybody else. With the back spasms, no Tyrese Halliburton. We know that. We'll see the juggling of the starting lineup and how that plays out. Hawks and Pacers, 6.30 pregame. That's a 7 o'clock tip tonight, the first of two consecutive. They get Memphis and John Moran. And again, a lot of local Hoosier State flavor coming at you tomorrow night. Jake LaRavia, Desmond Bain, John Conchar, to a degree, I guess, still. John Jackson Jr. from Park Tudor for a while. Uh, Memphis is straight good out west. That's coming up tomorrow night again at Cambridge Fieldhouse. And then on the road in Milwaukee coming up on Monday because of that, and I hate the way that Todd Meyer put this, but I love Todd Meyer. I have been preempted because of Pacer Hoops on Monday. The preemption to the show. I would rather him write it in the email. JMV has decided to take the day off. Take the holiday off. But, in fact, they have a matinee coming up on Monday in Milwaukee. And because of that, there will be no show on Monday. I'm back with you right here on Tuesday at 3 o'clock. All right, your call's coming up. Hopefully, Don Fisher before the end of the show. And this on Twitter, JMV, I listen every day on the Ballard thing. I think you almost had to keep one line of structure for these players. We get a coach that's no BS, and to the point, then we would be able to move on from Ballard. Love the show. Thank you very much. And that that was how I described that a little bit earlier as a, a slight side argument we could have as to the reasons why you do keep Chris Ballard around for year number seven. For the continuity and the fact that you're going to be filling a couple of huge gaps, drafting a quarterback, head coaching role, maybe the owner didn't want to do all of that and do the general manager too. Now, I would be willing to listen to that argument. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. All right, 239-1070. Some calls right now after five. We'll start with Matthew. Matthew, welcome to the show. How are we doing, Jim? I am fantastic. Thank you for the call. Boy, uh, I'll tell you what, if this uh, Stroud rumor is true, I uh, I can't believe I'm saying this. I hate to say it. You better get on the phone with the Raiders and call about Derek Carr because... Uh, Come on, man. Come I'm on now. You, man, Will Levis is not it. Not it. I'm telling you, he is... Uh, it's Carson Wentz 2.0. I'm telling you, all the physical tools, 
upstairs, he doesn't have it. I'm telling you, he's, he's, just, well, he's not. And, and I've just seen a couple of games, and that, that's been what I thought. And then when I, I put it out there like that, people that, that have watched him play say with a better supporting cast that he is a better quarterback, and he didn't have that this year in Lexington. I don't know that to be true, but I, I definitely have seen over the past year what you have seen. Yeah, no, that's exactly the case. And even if they do trade up to one, they're still going to pick Levis because Ballard is not – listen – I think Bryce Young is the best quarterback in this draft. I don't care about the size whatsoever. I think he's a franchise quarterback. But Ballard is going to look at his size, and he's not going to want anything to do with him. I'm telling you that right now. They will take Levis, and it's not going to end up being good for the Colts. It's just not. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and your thought is waiting another year to draft when you know Caleb Williams and that particular class is out there. I, I can't imagine anybody would go for that. I can't imagine that the Colts would do that. But yeah, you know, we'll see if this Stroud thing is just more than a Friday afternoon rumor. We better hope that it is because we're in serious trouble if it is. Matthew, you have a great weekend. You too, JMV. Fire up that JMV takeover tomorrow night. I'm just sitting here thinking about what I'm going to play to start the show. I love setting the pace of the show. Thinking about maybe a little earth, wind, and fire to set that pace tomorrow night. What do you think? Yeah, I saw this a little bit earlier. I don't think anybody, certainly below Generation X, can really, and, and believe me, I was really young at the time. So it, it, it barely gets me. But to a lot of you listening, do you remember the incredible national, if not global, impact that Evil Knievel had back when we were little, back when we were young? I'm talking about single digits because we're talking about you know late 60s, early 70s stuff. Can you remember the impact that he had? His son, Robbie Knievel, passed away reportedly either earlier today or late last night. And he was also a daredevil. I don't think anybody understands the impact that evil Knievel, his father, had on everything. It was incredible. And still to this day, no matter what generation you were a part of, no matter what toys you played with, still some of the, if not greatest toys of all time would be those of the evil Knievel Ideal brand. Remember, Ideal was the company that produced toys back in the day, produced a lot of games. Ideal back then produced and created the evil Knievel toy brands. And for a single digital like me, it was awesome. I mean, I, I can never, like, you guys ever do that, that hand crank thing? Don't laugh. That hand crank thing, stop it, lounge. The hand crank thing where you set the motorcycle on and you cranked it up and then hit that button and it would take off and you'd try to ramp the Evil Knievel van. Of course, it never looked like it did in the commercial. In the commercial, like it goes on forever and ramps everything. And for you, it went about two feet and then wrecked. But I was thinking about that when I saw the passing of his son, Robbie Knievel, earlier today. The impact, the generational impact that Evil Knievel had Certainly on on the older generation of Generation X, but certainly those that are 10 years, for example, older than me. Man, it was a big deal. Big deal. 
239-1070. Roland is up next. Hello, Roland. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Is it just me, but I'm looking at uh, guys going to the basket like on the Pacers team. They go all the way to the basket and then pass it 30 feet out to either turnover or a bad shot. And the other thing is everybody's looking for contact and falling to the floor. I think part of uh, Tyrese getting injured was that every time you go to the basket, and Mather's the same as some other players I've seen, they're always looking for contact instead of trying to make the shot, and then they're falling to the floor. To me, it's just ridiculous. It's uh, Re- Reggie Miller revisited. No, 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 I don't even know. I, hey, we would disagree about that. I would disagree with the Reggie Miller stuff. This is like the, the era now. This is like Jimmy Butler basketball because my man will just dribble right into you and then throw the ball over the backboard and go to the free throw line. No, no intention upon scoring whatsoever. He just is creating contact with you. And even if you're in position, more times than not, he gets that call so much that it doesn't matter to him that sometimes he's not going to get it. So that's Jimmy Butler brand of basketball. I agree with you. That drives me nuts. Now, I'm going to ask you this, Roland. How old are you? 62, I'll be 63. See, Roland, you come from an era, and so do I, of playing basketball where it was 100% illegal to ever jump in the air and not know where the hell you're going to throw it. And now, now that's part of the playbook, man. It is part of the playbook. Yeah, and you know, the, uh, the other uh, thing is these guys, uh, if you're shooting 23% from three, try to get an easy shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're... Um, Three's better than two. This is the three better than two era, rolling two. So I, I wondered, I wondered how old you were because the old jump pass, and, and there's a difference between a jump pass the way it was then and a jump pass now is where you jump up and you just kind of hang up there and hope that somebody comes free. So that's <laughs> exactly. what happens. Rolling, you have a great weekend. Thank you. Remember that? Was it with IU fans? IU fans, this is a specific question for you. Because that used to be such an illegal maneuver. You never ran as many stair laps in practice as you did after you jumped in the air and had no idea where you were going to throw it. But now that's been a thing. And with IU, I remember, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe it was prior to that, but I remember being introduced to that with Yogi Ferrell and that Tom Crean offense where Yogi, remember, would drive – hit baseline under the basket and jump up in the air under the basket and hit somebody that is is hanging out along the three-point line waiting to shoot. That's, I think, the first time I ever saw that with IU basketball. I think, Roland, what that goes to show you that things have evolved certainly over the years than what we remember. But, nah, that was uh, Stair Lap City. Stairlap City, if you did that back in the day. Jason Hatfield had tweeted me a picture. Top two pop culture icons of the 70s would be Elvis and Evil. I would also add Muhammad Ali. That would be three right there. Muhammad Ali as well. But the top pop culture icons of the 70s, Elvis and Evil can evil on their kids die a day apart. You know what? That's what you brought that up because Lisa Marie Presley passed away yesterday. And Robbie Knievel today, that is very eerie. But along with Muhammad Ali, you're not going to find any more 
pop cultural icons in a decade than you're going to find in the 70s with Elvis and Evil. And certainly Evil Knievel. Jim Reamer says, it's okay to jump to pass, just don't jump to make a decision. Yeah. I don't think too many people are abiding by that rule any longer. There is jumping and then decision-making going on during that levitation, during that jump. And, you know, like me, like I'm up and down. I'm barely even up and down. I can't even leave the floor. So there's going to be no jump pass because there's no jump in general. That is pretty funny, though. Uh, Chris, line three up next, 239-1070. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, John. How's it going? Could not uh, be better. Show, always. How are you? Thank uh, you for calling. Yeah, so the uh, the couple things. The quarterback situation, um, we got to all be realistic, whether it's Stroud, Levis, Bryce Young. I mean, you're probably looking at five, six wins. Colts fans aren't going to be happy with that. The other thing is you got to offer anything and everything and get Lamar Jackson. He obviously does not want to be there or he would be playing. And going to the Miles Turner thing, um, four years, 140 is probably the number. I know it sounds really high, but he has to have that DeAndre Ayton amount in his head. Ayton's a 17-10 and 10 guy, and Turner's a 17-8 and 8 guy. Yeah. So, but... You, 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 you think you think he would take less than than that number he'd have to have in the neighborhood of Aiton and then offer sheet. I think he'd have to be close. I mean, he doesn't owe, he doesn't owe us. We, I mean, why should he take a a huge discount? No, there's no we doubt about that. Yes. I mean, I mean, if you're talking a couple million, a couple million, but um, I don't know. I just I think you take Turner off this team, and it's going to be huge, huge. But. Um, I don't know. It's going to suck without him, though. Yeah, it is. And we'll, we'll see how they respond without Halliburton. Because, honestly, the other night, they got down 25. And, you know, obviously without Miles, without Aaron Neesmith, without O'Shea Brissett. But they came back also without Tyrese Halliburton the other night, too. That's, that's, to still, that's tough I to sustain. Expect- don't get me wrong. Tough to sustain. They're still going to play good tonight. I mean, because they they have effort. There's effort there. Well, Chris, and there is no doubt. I said yesterday that this is now the team that you expect to look like that. You expect them to come back. You expect them with all these cliches of never quit, never say die. That's a Goonies expression. But all that, and you expect that from them now. So that's different from what they were. I think the problem is with being able to close some games, you know, you're shortening up. You know, the bench now because of that, hopefully, is not a while. And then you got a tough one coming up here. Like I mentioned, you get I'm, tonight I'm the Hawks. Daniel Tice is ready to play. So, and I heard he's pretty excited now. At first, he probably wasn't when he's getting traded to the Pacers, but I hear Daniel Tice is pretty excited to play with this team. So he could definitely use a uh, powerful guy inside. So, yeah, you got a but tough schedule what, coming what up. Would you give Turner that amount of money? I, I think Turner needs to stay with his team, so yeah. But the other problem is he's played in 47 games as the max number of games he's played in in the past four years. That is that is beyond his relation and connection with the team. That would be the type of thing that would worry me more than anything else. But I, I would I think to me – how he has been with this team and the positives that have come out of that and how he can grow still at the age of 26 with this group, 
I think it, it far. Fly. I think it far outreach. I think it far outreaches um, my worries of him having to be out because of injury. Because this is the Pacers. I mean, you know what's going to happen. It's inevitable. Somebody's going to get injured, and we're going to freak out about it because that's the way that it has been for a number of years with the Pacers. So you just got to deal with it. Yeah, Halliburton, I don't think, will let him decline. And then you got a guy like Buddy Heald, and Buddy has played in nearly 80-plus 80, 80 games every year of yeah. his career. Yeah, and that's, so. that, that is even more ridiculous to think about trading him right now, too. Completely agree. Chris, have a great weekend. Great show, buddy. Take care. See you. You got it. Tomorrow, Super Wild Card Weekend starts with the Seahawks and the 49ers. No Mike Williams for the Chargers. Uh, if anybody was going with the Jaguars tomorrow night <laughs> – The Chargers are one-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. No wide receiver Mike Williams. That's 8-15 tomorrow night. The Seahawks 49ers precede that kick at 4-30 from Levi's Stadium with the Seahawks and the 49ers. Three on Sunday, Dolphins-Bills at 1, Giants-Vikings at 4-30. Again, Skylar Thompson getting the start for the Dolphins under center. Uh, Giants-Vikings, and uh, as Chris mentioned, yeah, no Lamar Jackson, and you're uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe no Lamar Jackson for the long-term future with the Ravens. Yeah, Ravens-Bengals, 8-15 coming up on Sunday night. Cowboys and Buccaneers, they will wind up Super Wild Card Weekend on Monday night in Tampa. Mark on line four at 239-1070. Welcome to the show, Mark. Yeah, hi, JMV. How you doing today? I am fantastic. Thank you for the call. Great. Hey, I appreciate the chance to talk a couple things, coach-wise and the quarterbacks. Stroud is being talked about so high. First of all, I don't think it's ever going to get to the Colts. I imagine he'll be the second one. And, you know, Bryce is a pedigree quarterback, great um, program, so he, he probably will do well. Stroud surprises me. He was the second-best quarterback on the field against Michigan to a sophomore, yeah. and he was not that great when it came down to crunch time in the semifinal game. So, oh, you didn't think to- you didn't think Stroud was that great? No, I did not. He was overthrowing the receivers, and oh, I thought I, I listen. I, I thought his escapability, the way he maneuvered, the way he made throws, he got him down the field again. I mean, that was all a defensive thing. I I would tend to question. I would tend to. I wanted to ask you, the uh, quarterback from TCU, is he a senior, that Stetson guy, or is he a young guy? Well, I mean, obviously, Bennett is at Georgia. But uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Uh, Duggan is at TCU, and they're both draft eligible, yes. I think those would be better possibilities for the Colts to work with. Work on uh, keeping one of the older guys to show him for a year or so, and then bring him along. I, 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 I am I'm curious, Mark. Don't don't go anywhere yet. I'm curious because obviously what you saw in that semifinal against Georgia is different than what I saw. What what was your problem again with what you saw in Stroud? Overthrowing receivers when it came down, except for the last drive, they did get it down there, but that was a lot of runs that got set up for the field goal that the guy shanked. I think he kind of set him up, too, though. I mean, that escapability set up that situation. What did he do in Michigan? What did he do in Michigan? Throwing interceptions and missing the guys long while the sophomores throwing everything accurate lasers in there, and he showed the uh, confidence. I just – you find an OSU quarterback that succeeded in the league, and it'll be the first. Fields is a nice running one, but there's not an OSU quarterback that's really – been that successful you can go back 20 years anyway, well, i mean i don't know how many kentucky how many kentucky guys have been successful see i, I just yeah, don't worry about that 
That's true, too. Not that many that great. Coach-wise, we're going to have to get a, a good coach with the decision, but the fans are also going to have to realize we're going to probably lose all the assistants. we got nice uh, fellas and good good company guys and stuff, but Reggie, the receivers didn't do it this year. So, Reggie, we're going to have to see if you're really a receivers coach. The well, here's the other thing in this offseason. They, they got to bring you got to bring somebody. I say this every stinking year, but you got to tap into the free agent wide receiver market and bring somebody in that has a history of going out there and doing it and catching passes to add to this group. You have to. Right. We like Gus on defense and we like that uh, special teams coach. They're both outstanding, but uh, I'd be surprised really with a top name coach if they're going to keep any of the others. So. Be ready for that, Colts fans. It's time to get some real uh, movement on this team, and let's see if we can get the eight and eight or something next year. Hey, appreciate the time, sir. Have a great evening, Mark. Thank you. I just don't agree with the Stroud thing, but my sample size. You know, I just you. I think you can uncover dirt with all these dudes if you wanna. I just looked at that in terms of what he did and what has been necessary, or maybe even better said, what's been missing from this Colts quarterback this past year. When I watched Stroud play in that semifinal against Georgia, he did a lot of things where we all sat on a Sunday and thought, man, if only with the way this line is playing, for example, or if only your quarterback had an arm or could throw on the run or had any escapability, had any mobility whatsoever. I just thought Stroud against... The highest of high-level teams played that way in that semifinal. This is my thought. I saw this from Tony East in his Twitter account. Rick Carlisle says Tyrese Halliburton's injury regarding that, quote, we have three very good point guards and we have two that are healthy. And Andrew Nemhart obviously is going to get more time at that position. I'm trying to see if anything has been been said. Yeah. John Martin says the late great Jared Lorenzen was the best. Actually Tim Couch, John, was probably the best quarterback to ever come out of Kentucky. He didn't do anything at the NFL level. But Tim Couch I think would be the answer to that particular question. The number one overall selection Back in the day. Uh-oh. According to Tony East, O'Shea Brissett in tonight. Aaron Neesmith, Miles Turner, out. So, no Aaron Neesmith, no Tyrese Halliburton, and no Miles Turner. Hey, you guys got to hang out near my Twitter account later on tonight because it's going to be pure entertainment for you. I'm going to hunker down and get near my Twitter account tonight. It's going to be outstanding. <laughs> All right, we'll come back. A quick break. Is that Don? Okay, great. All right, let's take a break and come back. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers on the other side. Hey, don't go anywhere if you're on hold. I'll get to you as well. Again, no Tyrese Halliburton, no Aaron Neesmith, no Miles Turner tonight. Hawks Pacers, tip time, 7 o'clock, 6.30 pregame. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, and your calls with all of us next. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. And the beat goes on, yeah. And the beat goes on. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, last word, top of the hour. Hawks, Pacers, no Miles, no Neesmith, no Halliburton, but O'Shea is back tonight. Hawks, Pacers, 6.30 pre, 7p tip. First of two straight at Gamers Fieldhouse tonight. Got a lot of Hoosier flavor on that Memphis Grizzlies team. Second, last check in the West. They're in town coming up tomorrow night. Pacers in an afternoon affair that will preempt me. Uh, Pacers in Milwaukee coming up in the afternoon on Monday. Your calls on the other side. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Hello, Don. How are you? I'm good, John. I apologize. I I, I was waiting for your phone call and didn't come for like two or three or about five fifteen or so. And then I, I decided to go elsewhere because I didn't know. I mean, I knew you guys were trying to call me or were going to try and call me, but I, my phone has been acted up today, and I don't, I'm not even sure if you can understand what I'm saying now. No, we got you. We got you loud and clear. First thing, I want to know where you are right now. Well, I'm literally on my way home. So I'm, oh. <laughs> I'm down here in Greenwood. But I, like I said before, I, I was I, that's why I said be on my cell today because I know I'd be in the car. Yeah. And uh, honestly, I did not. It never rang, and I never got cut off from anything on the radio through my Bluetooth. So oh, I don't know no. Going on. Yeah, all good. All good. Just drive carefully, and we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about IU and what is really a monster game for them tomorrow afternoon at 1 o'clock against Wisconsin. On to that in a second. But the last three, it seemed to all kind of fade. And I know that Ray Thompson's injury, obviously, in the Iowa game and Xavier Johnson being out is playing a role. You know that. But it all started the downhill slide at Carver-Hawkeye in that second half and hasn't gotten any better in the last two. What, what, what uh, with this team right now at the top of the list of things that is affecting them to the point to where these last three have looked the way they have? Well, I think they're not playing hard enough at this point, and and I say that even though we've got X and, and Race out, but I think I think Race's exit um, in that Iowa ball game, for whatever reason, really affected these guys psychologically, and I'm sure that X's you know injury as well affected them mentally to some degree. But I think they felt like they could overcome that with the practices that they've had, those kinds of things leading up to that game. When he went out, I don't know what happened there exactly from a mental perspective, but you're right. They haven't played the same way since the first half of the Iowa ball game. They've played the same way each and every time they've played since then, and it's not been a good, uh, a good experience for them because obviously they're not beating anybody at this point. And looking against, um, you know, uh, the game really against uh, Northwestern, I think, just basically solidified the fact that they are in a major mind warp right now. And I don't know how they get out of it because they, in the last three games, all losses, they have given up an average of almost 87 points a game. That's just not the defensive team we saw a year ago or even most of this season until all of a sudden we've had these problems here of late. And I don't know what the answer is, John, and I'm not a coach. I'm not a psychologist. 
I just know this team does not look the same. No, it doesn't. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, IU Wisconsin, coming up at 1 o'clock tomorrow. Downstairs, 93 WIBC, underway with your pregame at noon. And you talk about the defense being disappointing. We saw them give wide open looks early in that game from distance to Northwestern that really fired up Northwestern and got them off the mark and then inexplicably with a game plan that states what Penn State wants to do and Don's phone I think just hung up right there inexplicably knowing what Penn State wants to do from three letting them get off the mark and have so many step into wide open three point looks on Wednesday night it just you can't help but ask yourself alright players not playing hard enough okay are they being coached of the game plan that says this is what you need to do this is what you have to do that's what's been problematic and 1 o'clock coming up tomorrow, Don Fisher rejoins on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I mean, Northwestern got that kickstart on Sunday early from distance, and then Penn State, that's what they do, and got to do it with relative ease. It kind of makes you wonder what these guys are thinking about, what they know about these teams they're playing, especially Penn State. That was mind-numbing on Wednesday night. It was. There's no question about it, John. And, I, you know, I, I don't know what the problem is. I know Mike is, and his coaching staff are really flustered at this point and frustrated by what's going on. Uh, the inability to execute what the coaches are asking them to do uh, is just mind-boggling because they've done it before, and they've and most of them have been around. Obviously, Malik and, and um, Jalen Hood-Chafino have not been, but the rest of these guys have been around the program for a while, and I don't know that the teaching's any different than it was a year ago or anything like that. I mean, there's only been one change of the coaching staff. So it's basically the same program. And the only emphasis this year, a little bit more so than it was a year ago, is on the offensive game plan. And for the most part, that's been pretty good. I mean, they've got more guys shooting threes now, and they're making them. Um, obviously, Miller Cop's still not taking as many as he should. And I'm telling you the way, uh, Trey Galloway is shooting it in practices and and every time he's been shooting it in games, he needs to start shooting a bit more, too, from that three-point line. But I'm just talking about right now about the rest of the game, the defensive struggles that they're having, stopping straight-line drives, keeping the ball in front of them. Yeah, and, and the other thing, Don, you mentioned the offense. It doesn't seem like the defenses are given right now the way this team lines up. We're giving much of a look. Uh, of uh, concern outside of of Trace and outside of Hood Shafino, you know what I mean? It, it seems like, right. and that's and that's to your point about Galloway or anybody else really. If you could just get some sort of individual offensive step up, where it is clear the other defenses really aren't that dialed in, other than two guys. Yeah, and and I don't I don't know what the answer is there. Like I, I, John, I've told you this a million times. <laughs> You've had me on the show for a number of years now, and I don't know an X from an O. I just know what I see on the floor and what I've seen in the past, and this isn't resembling that. Um, and I think these coaches got their work cut out for them right now uh, because I think it's more mental than it is anything else. And if these guys have given up the ship because they've lost two players then we're not looking at the kind of mindset that we would expect from an Indiana basketball team. Yeah, that's why when I heard Mike say, I think it was the uh, after the Northwestern game, when he was asked about the defense and he had mentioned, well, 
you know, you can look down the bench and there are two guys that aren't playing. That probably wasn't the greatest thing to say to other guys who you want to play defense and and haven't to this point, right? I mean, you, you kind of – I would expect him to probably say something different and not give the excuse, well, these guys are out and this is why this, this defense is not as good as it should be. Because you mentioned it at the beginning. There's so much of it about effort. And I know that that's easy to say, but you can see it. And you've certainly seen it in these last two. Yeah, I mean, playing hard is the only thing most coaches ask of any player. Obviously, they want you to execute the game plan, but the first priority to doing that is playing hard and working at it. And I just don't see that right now. And and I don't. I'm not saying that all of these guys are are not playing hard, but there are several that are not. And I don't know if they're confused. Maybe they do not understand what their assignments are, their role is. But playing hard is pretty simple, and it's pretty easy to understand when a coach asks you to play hard and to play with intensity. And we haven't seen that. We haven't seen that intensity level, and we've talked about this ad nauseum as well. The intensity intensity level they go out into ball games with, at home or away these days, is just not good enough. They just do not look like they are as engaged as they should be. And again, I, that's maybe it's on the coaches. I, I don't know, but at the same time. I can't believe that these guys aren't telling them exactly what I'm telling you right now because I, I guarantee you everybody I've talked to says, hey, we're talking about this stuff all the time. And you know what's, what's even more interesting about that is Don Fisher joins us is you, you don't want to see anybody get injured. You don't want to see your teammates get injured. But when they go down and you're thinking about guys on this team that have a resume playing at a high level in the past, seem like you'd be chomping at it to want to get in there and just go, as I put it in GC, go balls out on it. And you haven't seen that part either. There's just been no step up even with that uh, with some high-level guys coming out of high school which yeah it, it just either is maddening confusing both I guess at this point yeah well there's no doubt it's confusing as heck I don't understand it uh, I know the coaches are struggling with it uh, the players obviously are de- having to deal with it as well um, I, I can't imagine that if they go into this Wisconsin ball game tomorrow and can't execute the game plan they're going to get murdered because you know as well as I do, Wisconsin runs a system, <laughs> and that system doesn't vary. You're going to get exactly what the coaches set you up, what you have to do, and if you don't execute it against these guys, they will make you pay virtually every time down the floor. They try to shorten the game by taking as much time on the shot clock as they possibly can, and uh, it's just a really good program. And, and they may not have the best athletes in the world, but I tell you what, they run their system as well as any team in the country does, and that's why each and every year Wisconsin's in the top three or four teams in the league. I know you couldn't tell on Sunday, and maybe it was the noon start. I don't know. But you talk about a team tomorrow at 1 o'clock that will need the extra enthusiasm and energy that it can soak up from that crowd. That seems also to be necessary. Just outside the level of basketball, it obviously needs to be better. It just seems like a, a good, loud, into it, energetic crowd would be necessary to try to get these guys up off the mat a little bit tomorrow. Well, I hope so. I mean, right now, there's not been much to cheer about of late. And, and three games into the Big Ten second portion of the season, I say that because they played two games back in December. But, um, you know, three games into the January uh, schedule, this team can't afford to have a fourth or a fifth ball game in a row uh, go down the tubes. And if that happens, 
you can just about write off any chances of winning a Big Ten. Well, you can write that off, first of all, almost right now. But just to be in the hunt and, and to compete, the, those things are going bye-bye if this team can't respond here in the next couple of ballgames. And no doubt. Wisconsin tomorrow at 1 at Illinois next Thursday. Michigan State on a Sunday at Minnesota on a Wednesday. And, yeah, tomorrow is is of ultra importance. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, noon start tomorrow for you and the crew, correct, down in Bloomington? Yeah, we're on the air at 12 noon, and our tip is, of course, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. John, as always, uh, having a 1 o'clock game is just like heaven. <laughs> <laughs> How you feel? You feeling okay? I noticed you had a little bit of uh, – you're, you're battling some stuff the other night, certainly yeah. when I was listening. Well, I hung around Larry, Dr. Rink for a couple of bus rides, you know, about a week ago, and he was coughing up a storm, and naturally I picked up his germs. Come on, Doc. And, uh, and, and, and you know, and he, and he had a he had a mask on part of the time, <laughs> but it didn't. I told him, I said, you know what? Everything I've heard about masks, if they don't work, it's true. <laughs> you cough, cough in your vicinity, and then you you end up with it. I honestly, I was thinking about you listening the other night because you go all the way. One of the worst places I'm assuming to go is where you went Wednesday on the road midweek or like that, and then to to be able to call that type of performance. Yeah, you probably didn't muster too much energy when you weren't feeling great in the first place. So, well, if you heard my post game. Commentary of Coach Woodson. You probably, if you listen to that, if you went that far into the broadcast, you found out very quickly that I was really a frustrated dude, and it sounded like it on the air. The front two or three folks that know me well go, that was not good. (laughs) Were people getting out of your way after at the end of that game? Hey, giving you a wide berth? Were they done a little bit? Yeah. Well, there there weren't enough people around me to worry about. Yeah. I wonder, man. I did. I wondered listening. Anyway, noon tomorrow, 1 o'clock to start from Bloomington. That's downstairs, 93 WIBC. They have the call where uh, Don and Eric and John have it for me uh, from uh, Simon Scott Assembly Hall in Bloomington with uh, Wisconsin and IU. Hey, thanks for hanging in there and coming on. Feel better. You're going to wake up and you're going to be invigorated tomorrow morning, get a little nice drive. It'll take you because you're heavy-footed about five minutes to get down to Bloomington and and big time turnaround for IU. A little feel good on a Saturday for you at one o'clock tomorrow. We're going to look forward to that, John. I'm going to I'm going to hold you to it. Too. <laughs> Wait, we got dinner. I got dinner at Shallows on me if it doesn't turn out that way tomorrow. Okay, ten four. All right, buddy. Hang in there. We'll see you. See you, John. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Tell me this, James. I need one break before we take off here. All right, quick break. We'll come back. If you're on hold, I'll get to you. Close out the show before the last word, top of the hour. Pacer hoops, who's in, who's out, and more coming up on the other side. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Are you kidding? You think I'd join this crummy snobatorium? But this whole place sucks. That's right, it sucks. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. The last word prior to Hawks Pacers tonight. 6, 6.30 respectively, 7P are underway right here. Indiana Sports Talk with Bob Lovell, who joined the show earlier today. Later on tonight as well. 
And then we'll get you into tomorrow. I mentioned, too, coming up tomorrow, you got IU Wisconsin from Bloomington, 1 o'clock. That start noon is your pregame coverage downstairs, 93 WIBC for you right there. So a lot going on. Hey, by the way, too, I want to remind you, tonight for the game, there's no Halliburton, no Turner, and no Neesmith. All out versus the Hawks tonight. O'Shea said, who missed that Wednesday night loss in New York with an injury, is back tonight. No Neesmith, no Turner, and no Halliburton. Later on tonight, for that 7 o'clock start with the Hawks and the Pacers, first of two, back-to-back here at Cambridge Fieldhouse. It's Memphis in town coming up tomorrow night. And Stefan at 239-1070. Stefan, welcome to the show hey how you doing jay how you doing hey so i got a look i got a conspiracy theory on this whole situation and i hope and pray that the coach do it if we take will levi's in the first round i feel like they should follow up with the second pick and take anthony richards and do the same thing that washington did with rg3 and kirk cousins so you like the quarterback from florida I do. I really do. He's 21 years old. He's got a lot of growth and potential in him. I feel if he literally gets here and you groom him, I think he can turn into something special. Now, now what, what was the other part of what you put in there as far as your thought? If we draft Will Levi's, I hope they turn around in the second round, pick up. Uh, oh, okay, okay. I, I'm sorry. I thought I misunderstood you. I thought you were saying they go after a different position. And no, no, and, no. Okay. So I mean, the thing about it is, I would rather just take the kid from Northwestern at four, and then draft and draft yeah, the lineman. Yeah. Second round. Well, makes, I, it, I wouldn't. I, hey, hey, Stefan, I would not rule anything like that out of the question because. It's not like there's a new general manager around. It's the same one for the past six years. So I, I wouldn't, as much as it may hurt people to hear that, at this point, I wouldn't rule that out. I'm not suggesting it's going to happen, but I sure as hell wouldn't rule it out knowing who you're dealing with. I mean, I mean, the thing about it is if you're going to double down, at least double down on it. Like, if you want a quarterback here, double down on it and just move on. Like, at this point, it's like everybody wants the quarterback – and Chris Ballard wants to listen to everybody cry about what we ain't got. Well, if we put two quarterbacks there, if one don't work, we got another one that's right there. Well, we'll see. You may be right. I know that more people than not are hoping are not going to be right, but you, you may be. And again, I mean, it's, it's Ballard at the controls here again. So I would expect them still to go after that first pick with the quarterback that they like. But – you ask the what if, you know, what if he's not there? Then what do you do? And do you go to that that common theme and that mantra of best player available and my board, let the board talk to me? Um, yeah, I'm assuming so. A lot to play out AJ, then, but I'm not going to rule that out, Stefan. AJ, Yo. so like this. If the quarterback on the board ain't there and Will Anderson is there, please, for the love of God. <laughs> <laughs> Get somebody coming for off the, the edge. Of Draft that man. We'll see. I, again, Stefan, thank you for the call. I think he's going to be the quarterback that they like. But then you have to ask the question, if you don't move yourself up to have your pick, how can you assure that?
then would you take the best player available? Would that be the best quarterback available? And Yeah, you guys know the six years of Chris Ballard in terms of you know drafting quarterbacks, in terms of what he likes. I'm assuming nothing would surprise you right there. Bob Lovell a little bit earlier, Indiana Sports Talk, Mike Wells, ESPN Radio. Nationally tomorrow night for Mike, he's actually going to go up against me. Now, I know where you should listen, but I also want you to take in Mike, ESPN Radio coming up tomorrow night and voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher. Hey, James, fantastic couple of weeks from you. Well done, buddy. James on the other side has done a swell job. Tomorrow night, Jamby Takeover, 6 until midnight. All requests, B105.7. I hope to have you there with me for a little bit of a party all night long. Last word is next. Hawks and Pacers after that right here. 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. Have a great weekend.